The following podcast is brought to you by Mint Mobile. Support Moore's Laws by clicking that link in the description and signing up for three months of Mint Mobile that, well, if you do it through that link, also gives you another three months free. And then also this podcast is supported by the Salad app. Download the Salad app with the link in the description to support the channel. And if you do so, you can earn rewards with your gaming PC or rendering PC while it's not doing its normal tasks. And then it is also also brought to you by Vite ramen use offer code broken silicon to get 10 percent off tasty healthy ramen and other great powders on their website and we'll talk about these sponsors more later but for now let's just get on with the show Welcome to Broken Silicon, a gaming hardware podcast. I am your host, Tom. And today I am joined by the person I've been joined by two, one, four years, wait, 19, 20, 21, 22. Is this the fifth year in a row? I think this is the fifth year in a row. Is this the fifth year? I was about to say. Yeah, it's 2023. Damn, it's been that long? Yeah, I have the first episode (laughs) you were on and that was 2019, so... I mean, yeah. <laughs> well, wh- where has the time gone? I have no idea. That's crazy. I know. Well, they can tell where the time's gone at least a little bit, because if you go back, and link will be in the description to the first time you were on, um, our hair is twice as long. So <laughs> at least you can count it, at least in the inches of hair that we've just decided to leave there sometimes, I guess. <laughs> I'm speaking for myself. It's not like I'm planning this. It's just, oh, look at that. My hair's long. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's like I, I feel like that's why long hair is the best because you just need to worry about it less. That's kind of the, the the main perk of it. Well, I'll tell you though, lately for me, it's just been like in my face the whole time. So <laughs> people, don't be surprised if I get back here um, in January and then it's just gone. But um, all right. Okay. So as we've established, you've been on many times before, but. It's been a year since you've been on last, so please introduce yourself. Who are you? What do you do? And how's 2023 been? Uh, I I am David. I I do tech stuff, and 2023 has been a good year. Oh, I mean, it, it's been interesting. Like I think in terms of channel, it's been good. It's been a bit weird, personal life wise, but we're we're you know like it happens, I guess. <laughs> oh no, I mean I I would agree. I. From my perspective, at least, the, especially the first half of the year when all of the tech news was going off, I mean, I had the biggest months I've had. And yet at the same time, tons of things with some family members. I moved in with someone in a new house. So it's been quite chaotic. And I'm hoping next year will be a little more, you know, stable. Um, but, you know, I will say in terms of tech news, um, I, I talked about this in the last video i put out at least from my perspective it it kind of has been like an odd year that has and and i don't know if you'll agree but like a lot of the things we were talking about or looking forward to at the beginning of this year ended up very different differently than what i would have expected at least from my perspective more different than i think almost any other year covering this space Oh, okay. So you haven't gotten used to being disappointed by all the crap yet at that point? Is that is that what you're saying? Or Well, like to give some <laughs> examples, right? RDNA 3 
surprised in that it wasn't as strong as AMD said it would be. But what? I mean, it's 20% weaker than expected. In the grand scheme of things, it was still a decent uplift. And, you know, but that generation has ended up outselling the previous one so far. So it's selling well. And then the product I was most excited for this year was Meteor Lake. And that was not as good as I expected (laughs) it to be. Not remotely as good. And in fact, even like the Raptor Lake refresh from Intel was, I mean, it's, there's been a lot of things that I expected to come out. Tons of them have been delayed till next year. Mm -hmm. The things that haven't been, some of them have either done better than expected or way more than 20% worse than I expected. I'm I'm glad to hear that the the kind of like 7th gen uh, AMD, well, I guess 7th gen is not the correct word, but the 7,000 series cards have been selling better. Uh, How is their sales comparing to like the current NVIDIA stuff? Well, I mean, so it's all relative because of course NVIDIA is still holding most of the market, but Mm. at least... From what I can tell, and you can see this from Tech Epiphany's tracking of sales at Mine Factory in Europe, and from what I'm seeing in AMD reporting, like for example, in the recent earnings, they reported that gaming revenue is about flat, but the only reason it's slightly down is because of semi-custom revenue, which seems to be lower Xbox sales, actually. And they said that it's remained almost flat, though, despite that, because... Radeon sales are higher than expected. So it's hard to say market share, especially when it's like, and, and I, you know, <laughs> I see people arguing about like how many of these are shipped for gamers and used for that. And it's just like, I honestly, how many of these Lovelace cards are even being used for gaming? Do we even really know? <laughs> like I, I talk to people at micro centers, they say like half the people that come in there for a 4090 openly says when they're asked checking out, like they'll say, oh, this looks like you'll have fun gaming with this. And they'll say, oh, I'm using it for AI or mining or something. And so it's really hard to say exactly what the market share is when so many of the cards being sold are clearly not being used for gaming, but AMD's sales are up. That is okay. all we can really say in market share terms. <laughs> well, that's good. That's good news. I, I think it's um, it's always good when the main competitor is the one that's kind of like struggling a bit more because competition and all that. Yeah, I mean, but so, well... Let me, uh, speaking of main competitor, though, let's get into this question. Crass writes in and says, in 2022, NVIDIA launched a cut down 3068 gigabyte, which I believe David christened the 3060 scumbag edition. For Tom and David, what product qualifies as the most scummy cash grab of 2023? Let's you go first. Oh, that's, that's always hard. I don't know. I, I think because... The first thing that comes to my mind is that whole where they kept back backpedaling on what the 4080 gig and then like the 4070. Because like if they actually went through with that, that would have been really scummy because you would have had two very different GPUs at very different price points. With Literally just game. different cards, just y- different yeah. cards. Yeah, yeah, with the same name, uh, which, which would have sucked. Uh, but I, I don't know. Other than that, like... 4060 Ti generated quite a lot of ire, mm-hmm. uh, and like rightfully so. Um, but I, I don't know. What, what do you think? Did the GT 1630 launch this year? <laughs> oh, was this, I don't know. Okay, it, I, it, I don't remember if it did. Um, but if it did, you could say <laughs> that. I don't know if that really counts because, well, actually, who knows? Maybe Nvidia is actually selling a ton of them when you check Amazon. But uh, let me see. Release date. Is that can I say that? 
No, oh, no it launched lost, last year. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, because that that's a real scumbag card. That that's it. That's disappointing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know because technically the forty eighty launched last year. I I mm. I pretty much I really do kind of hate the forty eighty a lot, but I mean, I guess I'd say the. Yeah, because 4060 Ti is up there, you know, like for me, like it really is up there. And like, I cannot believe an eight gigabyte card for $400 there. Um, But if it if it wasn't that, I mean, I I don't know, I'd I'd probably say um, NVIDIA laptop cards that they're calling different cards too is kind oh, of up yeah. there as well. Cause that, yeah, that yeah. they launched Lovelace last year, laptop version of it launched this year. So I would say I find, yeah, the RTX 4070 laptops. I kind of really don't like those. Yeah. That, that's a really, but good that point. is the 4060 Ti. So we're basically saying <laughs> yeah. the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. All roads lead to the 4060 Ti, I guess. But well, okay, so that was the first subject, though, that I wanted to get to with you on the script, which was um, the beginning of the year, the 4070 Ti launched for $800 with really bad reviews. The 4070 then launched for $600 for, I don't know, I, I call it mediocre reviews. What's really interesting about that one is I remember like a month before launch, I had AIBs with like pricing sheets to partners. Like, so these are the sheets they're giving to Micro Center and they're saying, this is what it's going to cost to buy a 4070 whatever edition from us. And then you can add your markup and all of them are over $700. And it seems like at the very last minute, NVIDIA decided to launch the 4070 for far lower than they expected. And then we saw the 4060 Ti, as much as we don't like it, and it got horrible reviews, launched for the same price as the 30, uh, 3060 Ti. And then the 4060 was $300. And it's interesting in that, I don't know if you'll agree with me or not, but I feel like we've seen NVIDIA constantly adjusting more aggressively down the stack in a way that I don't know that we've ever seen them do in the past few generations, like actually responding to bad sales. Yeah, I mean, it, it seems like they're they are trying to read the room with this stuff because, like, you know, I I think that's one of the ways in which leaks are really useful for them is they can see kind of to what extent mm. it generates outrage and then they can they can adjust from there. Um, but it, it's good that they're actually responding to it because my thought was considering the like AI boom that they just wouldn't care at all anymore about the consumer mm-hmm. market. But it's nice that they are adjusting it down. Uh, like even on sale for the last couple of months, you've been seeing these GPU prices drop pretty hard. Um, so I, I think it's cool that they, they are actually doing that as opposed to just powering ahead with it anyway. Yeah. Um, I guess I have a question for you though. Um, Blackwell should launch end of next year or beginning of 25. Let's just say roughly a year from now. Okay. Um, do you think they're going to take this into account and, say people have spoken the 80 should be below a thousand that this should be cheaper than that or do you think they're going to try to launch it most likely roughly speaking at the same prices as before i'm just kind of curious in how you say it seems like they're reading the room finally do you think they actually take it to heart or not i'm just kind of curious what your gut is yeah i mean reading the room in as stubbornly as they are willing to as NVIDIA. Uh, But I think it kind of depends on what happens with like general inflation over the Mm -hmm. next year. Uh, Because it seems like, you know, with all of the rates and stuff going up, uh, 
prices of stuff is starting to come down again. Like inflation seems to be slowing down at least. Uh, so I think if that's a trend that continues through the year, just for general consumer goods, uh, that may lead to them pricing it better. But if prices drop and then everybody just buys everything up again and everything goes, I, I, I think it very much depends on that. Yeah, um, it's funny you say that too. I was listening to I listened to the podcast start here, and just like a morning news podcast. I think it was I don't know if it was General Mills or one of the uh, cereal mega companies, big cereal. Um, it made the news that like yeah that their stock had just plummeted due to falling sales, and everyone is saying it's because I guess I don't know exact timing right, but like a year ago, half a year ago, something like that, they took inflation, and a lot of companies have done this, of course, and they used it as an excuse to pass on the increased cost to customers. Mm -hmm. And for one quarter, it went well, and then they made record profits. And then the next quarter, uh, like their sales just fell apart as like Magic Spoon and all these online cereal brands started just, well, eating their breakfast, if you will. Mm -hmm. And I can't help but wonder, like, Every company seems to want to do this lately where they're just like, well, it's inflation. That's why cost has to be 30% more. And you're like, I don't think inflation is 30% higher. I I just wonder what the limits of that would be, especially because at a certain point, and I I don't know if we talked about this last year, I kind of want to talk to you about it now. Like, I don't know if it matters what the excuse is. I have a suspicion that no one wants an 80 class card above a thousand dollars. It could be whatever performance they say it is, but Mm. if it's not the best, people don't want to buy anything with an eight on it unless it's below a grand. Yeah. And I mean, that, that makes sense. Like I I feel like I'm still at the point where $700 feels like a lot for an eight on it. When (laughs) when that started happening, I, I haven't recovered from that yet. So I, I don't know when, uh, if, if people will ever get, get used to that. But, um, yeah, I, I think that considering that they, their sales are struggling in this space and they've completely ruined good faith. Mm. I, I, they're, they're kind of going to have to do it in a way that people are like willing to deal with it, but it'll just be interesting to see what the market will bear at that point. And I think it's very early to, to, to gauge. I, I don't know. Well, you know, they're launching Super in January. I mean, I think that's going to be when we can gauge it. From from what I've been told, like the Super, the 4080 Super is single digits better, but, you know, as close to 10% as they can get, say 7 to 9% stronger than the 4080 in Raster. And they might actually price it at a grand. So that's a 20% price cut. Well, I, technically it would be the 4080 cost 20% more, but you know, a $200 price cut and it's a little stronger. The 4070 TI super, the longest name ever should be an $800 ish to $900 card. <laughs> Wait, that, are they really, are they really calling it the TI super? Is that actually yes. happening? <laughs> yes, they oh actually Lord. are. It's in documents. Video cards shared the document. I asked around oh. and then someone just sent me the briefing document. It says 4070 Ti <laughs> Super. And it's funny, talking to an NVIDIA contact, I kept just calling it the uh, 4070 Ti 16 gigabyte. I'm like, well, based on NVIDIA's history, come on, you're calling the 3068 gigabyte? Wouldn't they logically just call this the 4070 Ti 16? And the explanation I got was no. Because even though it takes longer to type out, it's quicker to say. Super than 16 gigabyte. So they decided, 
40 70 ti super and <laughs> yes that is the plan <laughs> i mean yeah that, that sounds great like that's uh that I, I, they need to make up a new like naming scheme to add on to it we need like three or four of them by then in the next couple generations well let me look at this though uh let's see this because are, are you ready for how long the actual AIB <laughs> names will be for this. And I think PNY is one of the worst offenders. Are you, come on, what's the name? Of, oh, Best Buy just cuts it off. That's not fun. <laughs> <laughs> they don't show the full name because, you know, like, what is it? Like the RTX 4090 Elite, whatever, like, you know, like five, like Accelerate, you know, the yeah, 10 XLR name. XLR9ST. There it is. They just keep... I found it in the description. The four, Are you ready for an RTX 4070 Ti Super Accelerate Gaming Verto Epic X RGB Triple Fan? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't wait. Oh, that's I. You kind of have to buy the card just because of that. Then you have to every time explain to somebody what it's <laughs> what it's called. You know, it's very clear that AIBs don't make their own youtube videos because if they did the 100 character limit on youtube i mean this is just a nightmare for us trying to review their products it's like what do i even call this no one's gonna see the title <laughs> yeah yeah it's like just the name of the card take up takes up the whole video title yeah that's true but i guess my question is you know again overclocked 4080 basically for a thousand a 16 gigabyte 4070 Ti. I'll be like 15% stronger than the 4070 Ti for 800. 4070 Super should just be about the performance actually of a 4070 Ti for maybe 650 or less. Um, and then I hear the 4070 should get a price drop down to 500 or 550. Um, do you think that's enough? And I guess I'll just jump and I saw the way you nodded. The 4070 is more interesting, I think. Yeah. Like, I, I think that yeah. will sell if they drop it that far. Um, but the 4080 super at a thousand dollars, you know, I've looked around before we started recording the 7,900 XTX is maintaining its price above 900, like 950. It keeps selling. So I'm curious if AMD just dropped the price of that to 899, mm. do you think actually 999 is even aggressive enough for the 4080 super? I mean, does AMD have the headroom to be able to do that? Like is... Yeah, I I don't think they want the 7900 XT to go below 700. They don't want that. That okay. is where it starts getting hard for them. Um, okay. But I do think, I mean, I think, you know, uh, I guess the way I would put it is the 7900 XTX, what does it have? Like an extra, I don't know, like $60 of RAM compared to a 6800 XT. And then, then Silicon costs like another 50 bucks. So I I'd say they could they'd be happy as long as it's above 850 I'd say. Yeah. Okay. I mean I I can't remember how the performance stacks up between the 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 4080 and the 7900 XTX uh but it's the it's actually in raster the 7900 XTX tends to win slightly. So I okay. think the XTX compared to a 4080 Super will I mean whatever you'll be splitting hairs. Same raster 4080 Super will of course win in ray tracing. But the XTX is 50% more RAM. And if it was 10% cheaper, I don't know. I am wondering, I, because I could still see myself recommending the AMD one. I mean, it, the 4080 was just so overpriced that I don't know that even a thousand is enough. Yeah. And the thing is, like, you know, the 
the the the kind of argument that people often make is like the feature suite around the Nvidia stuff is what justifies the extra price. But I've been playing around with uh, like AMD's Fidelity FX lately, and it's really good. Like it's <laughs> it, it it's gotten really really good, and you don't even need a, a high end card with fancy numbers in the name to use it. You can use it on pretty much anything. Um, so I yeah I, I agree with you that. A thousand, considering AMD just dropping the price on the the XTX, is still going to be a hard sell for it. Uh, I am more interested in the forty seventy super though. Mm-hmm. But if they, because you're saying less than six fifty, I think so. Yeah, I, th- I the most I could see them charging is seven hundred. Yeah, is is okay. Okay. Oh, the most you can see them charging because yeah, and I think it could just be six hundred, same price as the forty seventy launch price. Right now, the forty seventy is below six hundred dollars US. Mm-hmm. Like they've dropped the price to five fifty. I've seen them for five twenty. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not an official price drop, but you know, neither are any of these cards, and all of them are below MSRP even yeah. at AMD's website. So yeah, yeah. Uh, so the thing is, like, I think with the the seventy eight hundred XT is. Like, I, I th- is the official MSRP for that 500? And yeah. you can get them for like 550. And that card's faster than the 4070. Slightly, so, but yes. Slightly, yeah. So the Super will be faster than it. But the Super probably be 15% faster in raster and a bit better in ray tracing. Yeah. So then it's, I, I think that's going to be. But less make RAM. More, but less RAM, yeah. And. 650 is like a lot more than five to 550. <laughs> it's still still quite a quite a difficult price to to swallow considering the AMD alternative. Yeah, and it's like I I just think it kind of even if most AIBs were to sell it for more than MSRP, I just think it kind of has to be 599 for the same mm-hmm. reason the 4080 Super has to be 999 because or 999. Yeah, because when I think about it it's like i've seen people say oh there's no way they drop it to a thousand they have to do 1100 or something for the 4080 super and it's like no i think it's the same reason the console manufacturers insist on 499 there's just something Mm -hmm. about saying it's under a thousand where it has to be and i think 599 sounds a little like 500 so Mm -hmm. I i think i agree i think it's funny talking about this out loud where it's like you know, they don't really decide the price until they announce it. But mm-hmm. I think they kind of have to do 599 with how strong 7800 XT sales are because, man, mm-hmm. I've seen that thing and I've seen it both in Europe and the US. This has been reported, but then I've even had just like people, again, I talked to it like a Best Buy or Micro Center and they're like, can't keep those things in stock. Like half of the graphics cards being bought right now, mm-hmm. at least at Micro Center, are like 7800 XTs. Yeah, and I mean, that's that's good to see because it's a really good card. I, I played around with one like not very long ago and it's as much card as you need like it's mm-hmm. it's such a monster um i think the only reason that you would sway towards like a 4070 is if if you really care about efficiency so uh earlier in the year when summer was getting really hot i made like a, a very efficient pc mm-hmm. and i used the 4070 in there because i was i moved from a 3080 which granted is very much not an efficient <laughs> gpu but i was getting the same performance as that with like less than half the power draw and then you can still undervolt it on top of that and you can game at like 3080 performance with like 140 watts of power draw, like around there. Uh, so in that sense, the card is, it's good to see the price coming down because that's a pretty cool thing about it. But the 
yeah, the 7800 XT is just so much cheaper. Like it's yeah, but so I guess let's say the 4070 Super is 15%, maybe even 20% stronger than the 7800 XT, but it costs 20% more and has less RAM. Which one would you probably recommend to most people? Oh, yeah, the 7800 XT. You but, would. Yeah, yeah. But but out of curiosity, is there going to be a TDP bump with that extra performance as well? or? Um, oh, you know, it's out there. Uh, yeah, I think they're... Well, let me double check. Actually, I don't remember... Um, uh, you know, I would, I would make the argument though, that I don't think it's going to make a huge difference Mm -hmm. because I think as long as you're not pushing frame rates past a frame rate cap, they're probably all going to be using close to the same energy with Mm -hmm. any 4070 card from Lovelace would be my guess though. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Cause that's, yeah, that was just in, in terms of like my apartment heating up while gaming, it made a really big difference. (laughs) Oh, I think we I think we <laughs> talked about that too last episode where I said, you know, whatever they call the TDP, it has more CUDA cores enabled. It will use more energy than the 4070 most likely. Yeah. Um, yeah. This piece of content is brought to you by Salad, a computer sharing community that can help you earn back some of that money you've spent on expensive Christmas presents this year. And now they advise that you at least have an RTX 3060 in your build, but if you do, or you have something stronger than that, you can earn anywhere from $40 to $200 per month depending on your hardware by lending your computing power to those around the world who love to pay for it to be used in massive computing projects like AI. So when you're not gaming or rendering something for a project, start up the Salad app, become a Salad chef, and cook up some rewards with your gaming PC. Your computer's hard work is rewarded with games, gift cards, gaming hardware, and other pieces of epic loot. And yeah, don't miss out on these free rewards. And honestly, don't miss out on a chance to support Moore's Law is Dead. Just by clicking on that link in the description and installing the Salad app, doing that alone helps out the channel a lot. And it also supports a sponsor that's supporting this channel and it helps you earn rewards while you're not using your PC. Check out Salad today. But you know, you you touched on AMD's software features, which wasn't something I really wrote down ahead of time, but it's something I talked about a lot in a couple of my recent videos. So I'm actually curious to talk to you about this. Like, how do you see the future, the feature parity or not parity between AMD and NVIDIA right now? And I guess, um, I I guess just to kind of frame what I mean by that, like the way I look at it is like DLSS is like a really major selling point. It is. And there's just no way around this. Um, FSR helps, but DLSS keeps getting better too. And next to that though, I would say that makes NVIDIA have an overall feature advantage. But when I look at AMD's drivers, you, you know, it has built in overclocking. It has, um, Radeon chill, and it has a menu system that's just like so much easier to use than NVIDIA's. You don't need to log in. That annoyed me again recently on a, yeah. t- a system I was testing. Like, how much of an edge do you think NVIDIA really has here? Like, I guess, like, yeah, and I'd even put it this way too. Like, if AMD's FSR was as good as DLSS, would AMD clearly have the feature advantage in your opinion? So, I mean, is is it generally agreed that DLSS is way better than FSR still, like currently? Because um, I go on, yeah. Because I, uh, I was just testing a, a system with like a 1070 in it, and like uh, it was just like a, like an eight year old gaming PC to kind of see how it held up. And I was really surprised. I had to use FSR, even though it was an Nvidia card, which I, 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 I can't not find funny every time. Uh, but it, it, it's, it's holding up so well. Like, uh, 
Cyberpunk's like recent patch kind of brought in a new mm. uh, implementation for that. And even at pretty aggressive settings with FSR, it still looks great, which it didn't do like a year ago. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that it's it's at the point where FSR is kind of good enough. I, I don't know about the the frame generation thing. I don't I'm I'm not a so huge fan of that. The, but. The, well, I'm not a fan of that in general. But yeah. my my understanding is that in a couple recent games, it works really well. But in some of them, it doesn't. Kind of feels like it's still in beta. And if the developer does a good job, it's comparable, if not better, than DLSS three with how it handles the UI elements. Okay. Uh, but there's been some implementations that have not been good. And mm-hmm. who do you blame, the developer or AMD? I don't know. I'd say both because AMDs should not let them launch bad features. But mm-hmm. you know. Um, but but yeah, so I, to answer your question though, you know it's funny. Um, I was talking to some. I actually talked to somebody at Nvidia. Like, what do you think of FSR? The other day, I talked to somebody at AMD and I, and a couple of my other contacts in the industry. And the general gist is everyone thinks AMD needs to improve. The person that I talked to at Nvidia, <laughs> surprise, definitely thinks they're ahead of AMD. <laughs> um, but you know, a lot of the like opinions I got back was. If you're not pixel counting, it, it looks pretty close. And get if you'd get off Digital Foundry for a second, like <laughs> it looks fine. And that's kind of my opinion as well, is that as someone who uses a 4090 in their main system, almost always turns on DLSS if it's an option, because I okay. think it works great. Uh, but also touches AMD hardware enough to use FSR. Like my girlfriend's PC uses an AMD graphics card. Okay. Um, I can say that from my perspective, DLSS is obviously better in the extremes, okay. which is to say it doesn't seem worse than native in 4K at all. And in 1080p, it honestly doesn't really seem worse either if you use the highest quality version, whereas FSR, you can notice it. But having said that, FSR, even in like 1440p, as long as it's not one of the lowest settings, it's definitely better than like resolution scaling or like these other ways of getting performance back. And at 4K, I, th- I think it looks pretty dang good. And and I think it's just there's this internet mindset that FSR is a hundred times worse because of all the pixel counting on these YouTube videos. But if you don't pixel count, it's behind DLSS and in the extremes, DLSS is actually quite a bit ahead. But I, I don't actually find it in real like if you were to put two systems next to each other i don't think someone would say this is the fsr system most of the time but i it's curious if you think the same thing well i mean i it used to look like hot garbage like a, a year ago fsr was terrible mm-hmm. <laughs> like it, it I, and so i get why people kind of have this idea that it that it kind of sucks because it it really did um but i think that with the newer implementations they're getting there um, and even because I was testing at 1080p, and even mm-hmm. with like the kind of like performance presets, it it was still possible. Um, it was way better than having to deal with the GPU struggling to run the game, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that's the part of it that I like the most is that when you're looking at systems that shouldn't be able to really run the games, these modern games playably anymore. Um, you can actually use it on them. Whereas with mm-hmm. NVIDIA, you have to have an RTX GPU, which is likely going to be able to run it mm. at, at a recent resolu- at a reasonable resolution anyway. So like, you know, it, it it I feel like it makes more sense how AMD implemented it than how NVIDIA did in terms of the open sourceness of it. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but so going back to the other question, though, I mean, so do you think AMD's got software better overall, a better overall software package than NVIDIA? Do you think it's like a tie or how, what would you say? Uh, and know that it doesn't matter what you say. Okay. Half of the people in the comments will be mad. So don't don't <laughs> worry <fair>. about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's the thing. You can always count on somebody getting mad mm-hmm. over it. Um, but I don't know. I, I think it it depends on the the product stack that you're looking at. Uh, I, I think that with like fancier, more expensive hardware, it it's maybe a tie. Um, but I haven't played around with that with those features enough lately to have like an authoritative say on that or whatever if <laughs> if i can have an authoritative say on anything but uh whereas i kind of like amd's approach to their software suite more than nvidia so yeah that's a bit of a non-answer but there you go um yeah you know <laughs> i just feel like i think um I, and again and maybe maybe this just isn't something that you you really have an opinion about but I feel like we saw DLSS one come out and it was, I mean, it was completely terrible. It was, mm. it was worse than resolution scaling, which mm. is impressive achievement. I'm <laughs> yeah. um, using AI to get that. But at the same time, then FSR one comes out and it was definitely better than DLSS one and almost below the worst implementations of DLSS two. I don't know if that's saying a lot though. DLSS one was terrible. Mm. Then all just DLSS two just kept getting better and better and better and better to the point that when FSR two came out, it was like, you're close, but now NVIDIA is just ahead. And what's been so weird is with FSR three, they've just added the frame generation. And as far as we can tell, it's the same as FSR two was in the good implementations. Obviously some developers maybe lagged in updating it. Um, and then now NVIDIA has got FS, uh, DLSS 3.5 from what I hear DLSS 4.0 will focus on not more fake frames, but just trying to make the image quality higher and higher so that if you do turn on either FSR or DLSS, like the ray tracing reconstruction is just so much better on NVIDIA. Um, I'm wondering like how far be like how much that really affects people. Cause something I was thinking about the other day is I think the biggest issue AMD has isn't that they're like perceived to be behind DLSS with FSR. I think the biggest issue that they have is that it feels like the gap could get wider. Like mm-hmm. if you're someone looking to buy a graphics card, you're looking at the 7,800 XT, I could see somebody going and after seeing DLSS 3.5 announced and stuff and be like, um, I would be okay with it if AMD was behind, but I knew in six months they'd catch up and I'm always just six months behind in this feature that really isn't a big deal. But if it feels like every year NVIDIA is actually going to get more ahead in how good their software works, am I going to buy this? And then in a year there's DLSS 4 and AMD's still just like, well, FSR 2 still. Like, I wonder what you think about that. Like, if you think that could be a bigger issue for AMD though, if they don't start trying to catch up more the, uh, in the next year. Yeah, so I mean, I is it, are they not trying to to catch up with it? Well, oh, I'm like, sure they how? are. It's just I don't know. It's just and maybe this is just the worst month to be talking about it from AMD's perspective. Maybe in two months they're going to announce all this new stuff. But it, it just feels like to me, like right now, it feels like it's a little bit in question. Okay, well, I I I don't know. I actually haven't tested. I, I should I should do that. That this has really piqued my interest in terms of a direct comparison with like uh you know, in, in, in a more like 
high-end use case testing kind of DLSS versus FSR to see how it feels. And Mm -hmm. then, because the thing is, like, I think that that perception of, like, is it behind or not could play a role, but whether that perception is re- like true or not for me as somebody who like has the option to test this stuff i, I just go like i'm going to test it and see if 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 i do feel that way um so i think i'm going to do a video on that that sounds like a really fascinating thing to compare and like in a more like you know not as pixel pp but just like how yeah. does it in a in a real world because with my systems i don't use the lss uh, mm-hmm. I, I game at 1440p and i just i will lower settings rather than use the LSS just out of habit. I think maybe it's just because I'm an old man. I don't know, mm-hmm. but it, it, that's just how I do it. Um, but I should play around with that more. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, though. You're making me feel like, and this happens sometimes, um, when I talk to a less, like, trying to predict the future, what are the specs of everything, mm-hmm. YouTube channel, you make me feel like, is the thing I'm worrying about something that I only see in the deepest depths of the tech arguments online, you know, (laughs) and like, is it really not as big of a deal as the people arguing about it on Reddit make it out to be? And if that's true though, they are still doing that. They are still talking about it. Like, what do you think AMD needs to do then to make it? Because it's hard. Like, because it's not an argument you want to make. You don't want to be AMD going on stage with RDNA 4 and being like, and it has FSR, which is good enough. Mm. Like, that doesn't sound good at an ad. Yeah. Like, how do you think they could... Because I, I suspect it isn't actually a big deal to most people. Like, anyone I... You know, again, I brought my girlfriend. She, like... And, and Dan saw her, who is an enthusiast, the co-host of the news episodes of Broken Silicon, mm. saw her gaming on the PC and couldn't tell FSR was on. I think in real-world usage, mm. it works very well. But, like... I almost wonder, like, is there a feature AMD needs? Some other way of portraying it? Like, how do you think they could get away from the perception that it mm-hmm. is a big deal? If, again, I've seen other people talk the way you do, a lot of people don't seem to really notice it as a big deal. Yeah. Um, I mean, they could just be more preemptive with how they bring their roadmap out for what they want to, like, bring out to kind of, like, reassure people that this is something that they're continually working on and that, like... I, they shouldn't say like, oh, we're behind NVIDIA, so like, you know, don't worry, we'll catch up one day. They should just be like, this is a feature that we take seriously and it will develop over time. I think that could help with that kind of argument uh, or like argumentation of people uh, fighting over o- over that kind of thing. But um, you never know what people will then, mm-hmm. res- how people will respond to that because there's always a way to get the internet mad about <laughs> a feature. Yeah. So... Um, but yeah, I think just transparency about how they feel about the, or like how they're developing it may Mm -hmm. help. Yeah, that's, that's fair because I, I do get the perception sometimes that it's just like AMD catches up kind of to DLSS2, then NVIDIA improves it and announces frame generation. And then AMD is like, we are doing Mm -hmm. frame generation (laughs) too. And then they're doing reconstruction. And I don't know, maybe it's CES. And this isn't me saying I've heard this. I haven't, but like AMD comes out and it's like, we have FSR reconstruction. Like I would say it would be what AMD needs to do is start coming up with features with FSR that NVIDIA is not doing Mm -hmm. and then announce the roadmap so that you can say, first we're doing this thing. They don't even do. Then we're adding reconstruction. Then we're doing this. But until they start coming up with their own thing to put on that roadmap 
it'd be hard to show the roadmap and not make it feel a little bit like this is how long we'll be behind the competition. Yeah, maybe that's why they don't have a roadmap is because they, they're just waiting to see what NVIDIA does <laughs> before they respond to it. But, you know, I mean, is that really that bad? Like, at least they are matching, trying to match the features, at least, you know? It's, mm-hmm. <laughs> they may not be innovating, but, like, it's, it, it's, like, the feature will have the thing eventually, you know? Like, mm-hmm. um, yeah. It'll be interesting to see how the internet responds to that. But so I want to move on then to this subject here. Um, One of the big bombshells that came out this year um, was about how RDNA 4 is canceling its top end or Mm -hmm. what was going to be its top end. Um, And, you know, I I actually had pictures of this elaborate, I think it was like at least 12 chiplet MI300 looking gaming product. Um, uh, and you know, I actually leaked that after it was canceled. Cause I'm like, well, now it's safe to share. No one's going to get in trouble for showing you guys a canceled product, <laughs> yeah. but it still sounds like RDNA four could be interesting. It, it seems p- pretty God dang confirmed amongst the people I talked to that what AMD is at least trying to do is launch a product. Who knows if it'll be called the 8700 XT or 8800 XT, uh, or XTX. Yeah. Um, but that aims to be about 4080 performance. Um, certainly better than the 7900 XT is their goal. And they want to launch that, I think, with 16 gigabytes for $400 to $600. So I I keep saying that I think the thing that would really make this thing kill it is, obviously, if they hit the top of their performance goals. But mm. besides that, if they had like an FSR4 ready to go, mm. they had all the things people worry about ready to go, and then they're just like, 40, 80, half the price. Like... I think that could be another Polaris moment, but I think it'd be very important to have that software ready ahead of time. But I'm wondering what you think. Like, does it really not matter if it's half the price of a 4080? Or like, well, where I, do you think the price would need to be for it to matter? I, I think if if that if they hit that pricing, it would be really good if like a week after launch, the graphics cards don't start catching on fire. I think <laughs> I think that would help a lot. I mean, I know it happens to NVIDIA as well, but like it it it. People are very unhappy when that happens. Like I, I think that kind of reliability thing, uh, straight out of the bat, uh, like out of the gate, is always concerning. Because like with the forty nineties, they also like there was a lot. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of fire in the last generation. Actually, it all it all just caught on fire. Uh, but I think if AMD can avoid that like initial drama around some feature being misimplemented. Mm-hmm. I think that would help a lot in terms of people's trust in the product. Uh, and then half the price of a 4080 for the same performance would be a massive cherry on top. That would be really good. Um, they just, yeah, that like kind of, that, 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 that screw up a week later shouldn't happen. Oh, I remember which, uh, are you talking about the heatsink thing or? The 7900 XTX, they, they caught on fire, didn't they? I'm, I'm, I'm pretty. I'm not I'm, remembering this. I'm I'm pretty sure there was. I know the 4090 had the power had the uh, power connector thing, um, and I know like in terms of my memory of things catching on fire, there are some really old cards that did. Like I think from like the GT six seven thousand series or something, and there was, I know some 1080s did from EVGA, um, but. Uh-oh. Oh, so I, I think it's that there was a vapor chamber issue on the cooler that caused. Yeah, so they didn't catch on like, fire. They just oh. it was like a batch of the first um, what is it reference models had not enough coolant in their chamber, which just meant they throttled a ton. 
So, Yo, but yes, from, stuff like that is stupid. I'll give you that. From the from the the titles and stuff of YouTube videos covering that, I I, I was sure that they caught on fire. Like I don't, <laughs> I, I don't know. It's it's my fault for not like watching the videos and confirming. But like, okay, so that that's that's wrong information there. But uh, still, like that kind of like that kind of like immediate post launch like issue of of reliability with the cards, I think is is problematic because. You know, with the 7800 XTX, they didn't, or XT, they didn't have that issue, and the cards are selling really well. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think, yeah, just like, (laughs) never mind, moot point. We can move on to the next topic. (laughs) No, no, no. But no, but there's something there, though. Like, even if they weren't catching on fire, it's like that was a pretty basic quality control thing. Mm -hmm. It it was, I don't know what percent it was in the initial batch. I think some say 10% or less, you know, but it's still like, how is this not caught? Anything above five, anything above 3% should be caught easily, actually, Mm -hmm. um, for with quality control. And I think there's just this thing, though, with AMD where, and I think this is something they should avoid with RDNA 4 where they think they need to get it out as soon as possible, mm. when in reality, it, do- it doesn't matter. Just mm. launch it when it's ready. Like, when the drivers are ready, when the supporting FSR edition is ready, and when you're sure your coolers work. Like, <laughs> um, because ultimately, what would it really have mattered if the 7900 XTX launched in quarter one of this year instead of quarter four of last? Like, how would it... I thought they had to get rid of RDNA 2 stock. Good. Mm -hmm. Get rid of it during the holidays and then launch it. And I I think that's something that... the Especially, like, if you know you're going to have a pricing advantage, it's there's no pressure on you. And NVIDIA is launching $2,000 graphics cards <laughs> for this $500 card to launch sooner. When it launches, just make sure it's ready. And I think, I think that's one of the major things they just need to start doing from now on. No, for sure. Uh, game game developers also need to learn that that trick. I think that's also something. A lot of them have, but some yeah. still have not. <laughs> yeah. Um, let me see here. Beefish writes in, and he says, Hi, Tom and David. You've leaked a lot of info, Tom, on RDNA 4, and it looks like a good product for the market. We've also heard uh, that NVIDIA doesn't have new mobile GPUs in 2024. What are you hearing for 2025? NVIDIA has to actually give a performance uplift for OEMs to care, right? And... Will AMD actually release RDNA 4 to laptop in a timely fashion? Right. So, yeah, I think whatever we have now, pretty much for the mobile Lovelace lineup, that's it. But I've heard that the the reason Blackwell will definitely launch by early 2025 is because they want to make a big deal about how efficient it is in laptops. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so that's answering one of his questions. But the other part of it is with RDNA 4, I, I you know, to be honest, I don't have evidence it's really ready to launch sooner rather than later next year. Um, but knowing all of the huge APUs they have coming out that could be paired with these RDNA 4 cards that are meant to be mid-range, I can't help but think if I was AMD, I would want to be getting RDNA 4 out at the same time as those Zen 5 CPUs and laptops so they can be put in the same laptop. Um, now, I, I don't know if they're going to be able to do that, but I would just say I'd... Heck, maybe one of the reasons they canceled top RDNA 4 is they're like, nothing can slow us down from having this perfect pairing of a GPU. Um, but yeah, I don't know if you have, you know, any thoughts on like the release cadence of RDNA 4 next year, then Blackwell, or like if you're looking forward to next year's laptop stuff. Well, I mean, I, I'm kind of disappointed to hear that there isn't gonna be uh, laptop GPU revisions from from NVIDIA at least. It's like doesn't sound like it, no. Yeah, because they 
<laughs> it's not like the the previous stuff that came out was any good. So uh, th- th- that is that is a bit of a shame. But it, it would be cool if our DNA four uh, could actually make its way into laptops, like before the next gen of NVIDIA stuff comes out, mm-hmm. because. Um, I think that that AMD has a bit of a rough time in terms of laptop GPUs. I feel like when you look at the the laptop market, it's usually there's like 18 variants of laptops with the NVIDIA thing in it. And then there's like a couple of them with the AMD one that you like can't find anywhere for sale. So Mm -hmm. if they can actually get like... A, a, a new product out while there's this drought of AMD uh, of Nvidia products in that space, it may help them get a foothold uh, somewhere where they they often struggle. Yeah, yeah, and I I think um, uh, of course I agree. I mean, like I said, I, I think if they can get RDNA four out mm-hmm. in time to launch with uh, Zen Five Strix uh, twelve core APUs, which should be out for back to school next year. Actually, for back to school, not. Like Meteor Lake was supposedly for back to school in December, <laughs> um, but I think they absolutely uh, will. But I wonder, you know, I, I look at how good Radeon, again, relatively speaking, Nvidia still sells more cards overall. But relatively speaking, how well Radeon sells in the do-it-yourself space. There's plenty mm-hmm. of people online that build PCs with Radeon, mm-hmm. but when it comes to laptops, I keep hearing OEM say that they want an NVIDIA sticker on their laptop. And that's why they'll even go through these lengths to put like a 30, 50 in a 12-inch notebook <laughs> so they can say it has NVIDIA graphics inside of it. And I just wonder, like, I don't know if you have any thoughts on it, really. I'm not really asking a specific question, but what you think about that is like a headwind to AMD actually implementing RDNA 4 there because I, I know that a- AMD would be worried that anyone would even buy them, though. Yeah, I mean, so so that that's why I was saying that like if there's a drought going on from the other company, it may give them more of a chance of someone buying it. But if they want to be defeatist about it, they could just be like, no one's going to buy it anyway. So like, let's let's not bother because I, I think historic trends would really suggest that that is a real potential. Like, there's a real chance of that mm. uh, because yeah, like I I I don't think I have a single laptop that has an AMD GPU in it, not because I'm biased, just because mm-hmm. they're so rare. Um, so it would make, make sense for them to just not be interested in the, in this space. Yeah, I guess from that perspective then too, it's, I have to say then, it's essential that Strix is out before, it should be, but like mm-hmm. Strix is out before RDNA 4, because if it's already hard for AMD to convince OEMs to use their graphics, they better at least have the argument that you compare it with their CPU for a discount or... Mm-hmm. They they need as many gimmies as they can get for trying to get laptop GPU market share. And now a quick word from our channel partner, Mint Mobile. Hey there, it's Ryan Reynolds, owner of Mint Mobile. Enticing, right? <laughs> that is enticing, Ryan. Uh, well, please make sure you clean that up in the yard. Uh, what a funny neighbor to have out there. Great guy. Uh, yeah, say, say hi to Blake for me. I, I got to do the ad, though, for you. So, Anyways, this piece of content is brought to you by Mint Mobile. It's honestly been a very long time since I've looked around at phone plans, but I kind of had to in preparation for this ad, and when I did, I have to admit that some of Mint Mobile's competitors, and I'm not supposed to mention them, but some of them, they just don't want you to see what you're paying for. Like, I actually found it funny that some of them would put like unlimited everywhere, and then kind of hide the the fact that there were caps 
on certain types of data, and you could only stream 480p video. That's that's not unlimited, but not Mint Mobile. They tell you what things cost, what you get, and what limitations there are in a very upfront matter, and that's probably because they know they have nothing to hide, and that's really their greatest selling point. You can get a family plan and a family plan, switch to or from a solo plan, and upgrade at mid-month as you need on whatever phone you already own. And yeah, that's the benefit of Mint Mobile. It's great pricing and flexibility to do whatever you want. And you know what? If you click that link in the description and sign up, it actually does help me quite a lot. It helps this channel a ton since I'm partnering with them. And actually, for a limited amount of time, you will get three months free of any three-month plan you buy. So if you go cheap, you'll get three months of that free. If you go expensive, you'll get three months of that more expensive plan for free as well. So you're not only helping the channel, you're also helping yourself if you go to the link in the description. Support Moore's Law is Dead by signing up for Mint Mobile today. But you know, um, I guess switching gears to... Um, something I, I think you were excited to talk about too, which is all the APUs coming out mm. in the next couple of years. Um, we have Hotpoint coming out, well, now basically, but based pretty much by February, where, you know, it, it's just kind of Phoenix Plus. It's got a better AI engine. It's clocked faster. Not 2% faster, like decently faster, like, but it's 10% better basically besides the AI. We'll see if the efficiency has a big improvement. Mm -hmm. And then in the middle of next year is when the 12 core 16 compute unit RDNA 3.5 APU comes out that should be like 30, 50 performance. And yeah, I don't know if it's 12 Zen 5 cores, it could be actually about as strong as a enthusiast desktop CPU right yeah. now. And then Halo comes out in the beginning of 2025 with 40 compute units and 16 cores. Um, it's funny. I've talked to the one of the members of the Morse Lasset team, Carbon Cry. Like, we 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 might think that AMD is making Halo because this is the way to get laptop GPU adoption is to force them to buy it with the CPU <laughs> as a big APU. I, I'm wondering what you're thinking about these APUs and what you think about that idea that perhaps the point of Halo is literally just to try to force GPU sales and laptop. I mean. If if they can get the price down with it, like if it's you know in in because it's like an APU as opposed to like a discrete thing, uh, I think it would be it would be a win win for people because that that thing sounds like a beast. Is there is there going to be a like a desktop variant of that, or is it only going to be a laptop APU? Um, well, so I think the die size for this thing is going to probably be, I mean, at least. Yeah, I mean, I think it, at least 250 to 350 millimeters squared. Okay. I think it's over 300, actually. Yeah, if I remember, like 300 to 400 millimeters squared. So th that's not going to fit on an AM5 socket. Could fit oh. on a Threadripper socket, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> but, but you know, um, then you'll need a $1,000 motherboard. But, yeah, so no, I don't, that won't. Strix, normal Strix will. Like, that, okay. that'll fit there. And I, I'm actually curious if you clock that 16 compute unit RDNA 3.5 APU to like 125 watts, like if that could actually perform above a 3050. Um, but, you know, still though, if it, let's say it's around 300, 350 millimeters squared, that's still a combined amount of silicon that's less than most dedicated GPUs with the CPU. So you're still looking at something probably that doesn't need to cost more than the two separate components in a laptop, especially when you consider you can put one heat sink with one fan that pushes air out the laptop. You don't need the double golden thing that, you know, shoves air out two different directions. So that should save on some cost. 
Um, I do personally think they'll still probably try to charge for it because yeah. they'll be like an Apple yeah. chip competitor. But, <laughs> you know, um, but I, I answered your question. I don't know if you have any other thoughts on that. Uh, no, I, I'm just really excited for it. I, I really like the idea of powerful APUs. And I feel like there there aren't enough options in terms mm-hmm. of that. Um, because I feel like we, we, we've spoken a bunch in like previous episodes about how uh, a lot of the the more budget GPU space is going to get uh, cannibalized mm-hmm. by these higher performance APUs. And I feel like it just keeps kind of not happening. So I'm, I'm excited to see this doing that more. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because they're, <laughs> they're always really fun to play around with. Um, Beefish writes in, David has done some really great budget builds in the past. I'd love to hear his thoughts on Phoenix for desktop. How excited are you for the 8000G series? I mean, super excited. Any 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 kind of component like that is is always really fun to play around with because it's the kind of thing that like a lot of people can potentially get access to. I mean, do we have do we have pricing like and kind of ballpark for what an eight hundred eight thousand G is going to be? I don't think so. To be honest, it's not something I've really tried to ask about. Okay, but I think. Um, yeah, I mean, if I look at, duh, 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 like, cause I'm just double checking if there's like anything out there, at least according to something shared by Mo 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 US, um, okay. it seems like they're suggesting that the eight core 8700G could be th- like three fifty to four hundred dollars. It's it's hard to say because they say three thirty eight, but I don't know if they're talking about the price that like. Newegg pays before they mark it up. So let's, yeah. let's say three twenty to four hundred dollars for. And just let me make sure I understand the specs correctly. For yeah, twelve compute units of RDNA three. So this is eight cores. I'm just making sure it was fully enabled and not cut down at all. Um, yeah. So let, let's say it's three fifty for the eighty seven hundred G. I would suspect with decent RAM and a D de- like a ninety five watt. Uh, TDP limit. You could probably make this perform like a 1650 or 1650 Ti. Do you think that's cheap enough? Because this is always the problem with APUs is yeah. <laughs> they're kind of too good. <laughs> <laughs> like if you charge <laughs> if you charge less than 350, well, it's probably about as strong as an 8700X or certainly as strong as an 8600X 6 core. It yeah. has 8 cores of on 4 nanometer actually. So I, I don't know, but still, that would mean you'd get a CPU and a GPU with it. I wonder if you would think that'd be a big deal for budget builds. Yeah, I mean, I I, I feel like that pricing puts it quite high up in terms of like if you if you're really trying to to, to do a budget build, um, because yeah, like they, then you're getting to the point where you could start looking at used GPUs, and mm-hmm. then it like yeah, I I don't know at at like. At that price point, I feel like it's a little too expensive for that kind of thing. But it is a really powerful chip, you know? So it's, yeah, it's difficult. I guess I have to see the performance. Because you're, perf- uh, you're getting the performance of like an 7600X, at least. Okay. That's a $200 CPU, and then you're getting the GPU on board for 150 So it's like, mm-hmm. a, but it's, I, it, I think it's always hard for AMD to decide what they're going to charge for what is an eight core on four nanometer that's probably as good as their already three hundred dollar eight core. Like if they charge less than three hundred, why would like from their perspective they could be arguing, mm, but you're basically getting a seventy seven hundred X and then you're getting a graphics card with it for an extra fifty bucks. Mm, 
No, that that makes sense. Yeah, that's fair. I I uh I, I guess for like budget builds a lower like a lower core count version of that. So is there is is it just gonna be an eight core or are we also gonna get like a six core? Um I oh there is one six core, but again, and I haven't asked about it, so Okay. Don't shoot me, people, if I'm okay. just <laughs> quoting a person who doesn't know what they're talking about here. <laughs> okay. But um, if there, if there is a six core with twelve compute units for like two hundred dollars, I think that's far more interesting to you. Yeah, then. yeah, yeah. Because like the eight core ver- version of it, like that's, like that's a beast. Like I, I don't know in terms of yeah, yeah, a six core one would be really cool. Yeah, because I know that the other ones they have, there's going to be a six core with four compute units. Who cares? Mm-hmm. And a uh, a four core with four compute units i think four compute units we don't we don't really care about that that much mm-hmm. that's like no performance so um but i guess you know i i, I actually you know i want to shift to a different conversation here that's kind of tangential to this okay um we've talked about so far graphics cards like the uh you know, 4070, which starts, it's, it's started to sell well recently, but all of these cards have had a rocky start to the year in sales. But at least as far as I can tell, um, the 3050 and especially the RX 6600 and the 3060 12 gigabyte are selling like crazy right now because they're well below MSRP. Like the 6600 is 200. The, you can sometimes find 3060 12 gigabytes for 250 around here. Um, like, but at the same time, a lot of these cards and the newer ones, like the 7600, only have 8 gigabytes. So I'm wondering how you feel about these sub-$200 cards that are just flooding the market right now. But then also about the 8 gigabyte thing. It's something no one's talked about for a few months, I think. But that was a huge thing for a lot of the year, mm. is people realizing that there's a real issue running high-end graphics now with just 8 gigabytes of RAM. Yeah, so I mean, I, I think it makes complete sense that the sub two hundred dollar cards are are flooding the market because that's the price point people like buying cards at. I think, and there, it, it it's been a long time since there has been such a like like a whole bunch of new cards available there that you're not just looking at like an RX five eighty <laughs> and a you know. So it, it it makes complete sense that the, I I think that kind of part of the market has been starved quite long. Um, mm. and oh, that's there was, for people waiting for that. Now yeah. that segment is buying and they were probably waiting for two years for these to show up at that price. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I think it's really good that they're getting those cards for that price. And I think at that price, eight gigs of video memory isn't ideal because, you know, like the RX 480 had eight gigs ages ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would have been nice getting more video memory, but I think that you know, at least there's newer cards available there is kind of what people are thinking in terms of that. And and that's like why a lot of people are buying it up. And it's also like in terms of higher, uh, like texture settings and stuff that the memory becomes, starts becoming an issue. It's at like mm-hmm. ultra settings and stuff that you, that you start running into that bottleneck really hard, which I think the, the, like the cheaper cards, you know, the, the, it's maybe a bit less of an issue, like a mm-hmm. less of a concern, at least. Um, no, I, I entirely agree. Like, um, my channel made a huge deal about the eight gigabyte issue. I'm trying to remember what even one of the first games was. I mean, I don't. 
The Last of Us was a, well. Was the Last a big of one. Us was like the third one, and that was the worst one. <laughs> but um, there were other ones too, like Harry Potter. They oh, wanted like at least yeah. twelve gigabytes. That that was a big one. It was a popular game, so that was an issue um, that a lot of people experienced. Mm. But you know, I remember at the beginning of this year, there were so many people saying, "Oh, this one game." I don't. I, I, that was a Callisto Protocol. I know the the Star Wars one was one of them too. The Jedi mm. one. Um, and they were like, this is a huge issue, you know, what are like, but you know, it's just the dev, the, the devs lazy. And then another game came out and then another game came out and then another game came out. It was like yeah. five games in a row where eight gigabyte cards were struggling, not just in 4k, but sometimes in 1440p. Mm-hmm. And then this channel had on, what did I ha- I had a unreal engine five infinity ward and another developer as well. And all of them said, no, eight gigabyte cards are going to have issues moving forward. Like mm-hmm. we're just We've been bending over backwards to try to fit all of these textures in the 1070. And then when we saw the 3070, we're like, are you kidding me? You're killing me here. <laughs> but um, at the same time, I feel like some people have blown that point I made out of proportion going, well, he's saying everything needs to be 24 gigabytes. And I'm like, no, I'm just, it's not high end anymore. <laughs> yeah, I don't think, I think eight gigabyte cards in 1080p is going to be supported for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I so one of the people on my Discord had a a, a thirty seventy that they modded sixteen gigs of RAM onto, oh, like video memory. I saw that, yeah, yeah, and I really struggled to get it to make a difference. <laughs> I, I really struggled, so I don't know if that's like a driver issue that it just didn't want to allocate more video memory to the card because it thinks it should just have eight gigs. I I don't know. Um, but. There's a chance of that. Um, I know some people have tested it, or at least Hardware Unboxed did a test with the A4000, which is just, it's like a professional car, but it's like a 16 gigabyte 3070. Yeah. And they found scenarios where it could just catch up to the RX 6800 all of a sudden, <laughs> like oh, because okay. it had more memory. So, you know, it just depends. But it, it, it does still depend on the game. Like, mm-hmm. I still think. I think we have to remember that games have like what now they're like five year development cycles, not even just three mm. or four year. And so any game, half of the games coming out now were, were probably designed around three year old hardware. <laughs> but I, I do think it is going to be an increasingly larger problem, though. But again, only if you're someone trying to game in 4K with like 10 gigabytes on Ultra or 1440p on Ultra with eight gigabytes, like if you accept that eight gigabytes isn't high end, I, I don't know that it's that big of an issue, actually. Yeah, and I, but I mean, I, I agree that like a card like a 4070 definitely, you know, I, I, I think that they, like NVIDIA does tend to put too little video memory on, on their cards, like definitely. Mm-hmm. And um, that's something that they should stop doing because <laughs> it, it, it does affect the longevity of the products uh, because people hold on to graphics cards, you know, and if you mm-hmm. buy like a five or $600 graphics card now, and you're not going to be able to play like higher end games later with it, it's going to suck because it's, it's an expensive thing that you bought and it should have more longevity than the video memory is going to allow for. Um, yeah. That's an interesting thing too, because I think that's one of the things that accelerated RDNA three sales in the second half mm-hmm. of this year is NVIDIA is in a pretty dominant position right now, but Man, they gave the 4060 Ti 8 gigabytes. They gave an $800 4070 Ti only 12 gigabytes. Mm-hmm. And then AMD was just like 24, 2016. And I, I think that in hindsight, and I, actually they have some people I talked to at NVIDIA have admitted this, like 
they probably should have taken the VRAM thing much more seriously. And I think that kind of bailed out half of the concerns about AMD's RDNA 3 performance simply mm-hmm. because, again, like, you know, going back to the 4080 Super, yeah, maybe they took, maybe they'll take $200 off the price. Maybe they'll make it stronger. But if it's $1,000 and there's a cheaper AMD card with 50% more RAM, yeah. this is the generation where that matters so much. Yeah, at, at that price point, it, it really matters. And they, yeah, they need to stop cheaping out with that. I, I, I don't mm-hmm. know why they why they keep doing that. Um, I actually have a suspicion that one of the things that might dictate when Blackwell comes out, especially mid-range Blackwell, is when higher capacity memory chips are available so they can make mm-hmm. up for the fact that at least i've heard some of their mid-range cards may still be 128 bit next gen and Ew. some of their high end may <laughs> still be 192 bit wow. and they 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 to a certain extent they can't add more ram until they make higher density gddr7 or gddr6x and until they do that i, I mean actually i told someone in video well, then don't launch it like if the 5060 is eight gigabytes don't launch it until you have the density to give it 12 or something, because I just think that's absurd. Yeah, and like, why not put a bigger memory bus on it? Like, is that <laughs> is is that not an option? I, I don't understand. Yeah, I know. Like, why not at least make it like 160 bits so it is 10 gigabytes or, or something? I don't know. Like, yeah. th- th- I think that only adds like 10 to 20 millimeters squared to the die. But, you know, with how small they're making their mid-range cards now, I guess that might be... 10% of the die size, but I don't know. That's not much. I think that's like a no brainer too. Yeah. Um, you know, one exception though, to the rule of um, prices going down in the end of this year was the RTX 4090. And I do have to remind people that at the beginning of this year, the 4090 was dropping below MSRP. You were starting to see deals for $1,500 ones. They were starting to pile up in stock. And then the AI boom just happened and it's gone. <laughs> And, you know, and in fact, NVIDIA cut production to make more AI cards. Um, So I'm just kind of curious, you know, how you feel about watching the 4090, like have massive sales, then not then having them again for AI, especially after going from the end of a mining boom to an AI boom. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm going to be honest, I didn't notice. (laughs) Like, Because you're not buying that anyways, right? I, I I wasn't paying attention to that, but... It's good to me that that's that, that I could not notice that thing happening because like the fact that it's the 4090 mm. is kind of great for consumers that the it's the the really high power stuff that AI is kind of interested in because yeah like that's such a high price point for a card like the 4090 is a really good graphics card it's awesome uh, mm-hmm. but it 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 costs so much money um and yeah, I, I think that if that's how like the AI boom goes forward in terms of like like cannibalizing the GPU space, that it just kind of eats the top off it. I I don't think that's that bad to be honest. Mm-hmm. Like it's way worse than the mining boom, which was just all of it. Like <laughs> you couldn't even buy a 1030 anymore. So yeah, that's well, kind you of could buy a 1030 and it was two hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, but I. Times. I, I do wonder though, next gen, like how much this is like, is this though going to become this thing though, where NVIDIA knows people who want AI will pay through the nose for mm-hmm. more than 24 gigabytes and 
because 24 or higher. And because of that, though, they continue to refuse to give more RAM to the mid range. That whereas AMD, who would like all the AI sales they can get, they're like, who cares? Everything gets 16 gigabytes. Buy our cards, please. But <laughs> Nvidia's like, no, we want you to buy the 5090 for AI, and therefore the 5070 still is 12 gigabytes. I don't know. That that's the one thing that worries me about this is that Nvidia may calculate we should continue to skimp on VRAM though. But I, I don't know if they. I don't know if they can, though, with all yeah. these games coming out. Yeah, I was going to say, I think if they do that, gamers aren't going to buy them either. Like, it's not just going to be my, uh, like, a- a- AI people that won't buy them. I, I think that, you know, this, as-, as AMD's kind of, like, sales seem to be suggesting, like, it, it really does matter. And they-, <laughs> they they need to wake up to that. Otherwise, it's going to be tough for them. Um, you know, I- I'm curious how you think about this. Like, let's... Hypothetically, right? Let's just say, you know, boilerplate increase here. Let's say Blackwell's 50% faster than Lovelace and they launch a 5090, um, 24, let's make 24 or 32 gigabyte for like 1800. Then they launch a 5080. You know, it's stronger than the 4090 for a thousand. Then they launch a 5070 for like, I don't know, $700. That's Above a 4080 super, 5060 for 450, that's about a 4070 in performance and so on and so forth down the stock. So it's better, but it's not cheap. Mm. And then AMD comes out and they match, let's say, I don't know, let's say they're just below the 5070 that's 700, but their card is like $500 with 16 gigabytes. How effective do you think it would be to make a 32 gigabyte version that's like clocked 5% faster that they then sell for like 600 or even the same price? Like, I'm wondering how much you like if NVIDIA had a 12 gigabyte card for 700 and hey, it's stronger than a 4080 Super. Thing ain't weak. If it was Mm -hmm. out now, this is all people would be buying. But it's 2024. Mm -hmm. 5070 is 12 gigabytes for 700, but really strong. If AMD had a card 10% weaker, but with 32 gigabytes of RAM for the same price. Do you think that'd probably be enough to just sway people to that? I, I wonder. I, I guess it depends on what kind of what kind of games come out in 2024. If there's like a game that comes out that people are like, whoa, 16 gigs is starting to look a little rough, then yeah, maybe. Maybe it would be enough to get people to, to do that. Um, what percentage of people do you think that would just buy it because it's the bigger number? I'm curious what you think. <laughs> I, I think there are definitely people that would do that because we're talking 32 yeah, versus 12, yeah. three times the RAM almost. Yeah, that's a that that is a big number of RAM. That's a real EP RAM amount. Um, yeah, I, I think it like if they're if they're like bus size can accommodate it, like it'll be mm-hmm. interesting to see how the market reacts to it mm-hmm. uh, because. Yeah, I'd buy one. I don't know. That's, that's just to say awful. you have a 32 gigabyte <laughs> yeah. card. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I probably would too. That'd be like, that'd be, yeah, because, you know, that was one thing that was always funny. I got a Radeon 7. Um, number one, I got the red edition because that's my favorite color. So mm-hmm. I have to admit it was my favorite color. But number two, I, I mean, I was really getting it for editing videos and it was really good at that at the time. Um, happened to end up paying for itself through mining times 10 because someone on eBay was wanting to pay me way too much for that thing I sold during the mining boom. Uh, oh, okay. But uh, it was always fun to say I had 16 gigabytes of HBM a few years ago when everyone <laughs> else had eight gigabyte cards. Yeah, and it was HBM as well. That's, that's exactly. also, that's a, that's a really big thing, yeah. Uh, no, I, I think that's a, that's a cool trump card for them to play because they know NVIDIA is too cheap to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that'll be that, that'll be real exciting if we get it, if, if we get it. They do that. Yeah. I, yeah. It's not like I've heard they have. 
Um, XTX999 writes, and it says, curious to see if you know when 4090s will return and be in stock, and will they be $3,000 like they are now? No, I mean, so, and by the way, what he's referencing, I've answered this before, but I'll answer it again for him. Like, they banned the 4090 in China, Mm -hmm. but they banned it starting November 17th. So what happened is every AIB was like, wait, we have one month where it's not banned, but everyone knows it will be banned. All stock was just shipped to China for the year. Like, and then they like, and anything that didn't get there on time, I was told they smuggled through Singapore and Taiwan. I mean, not Taiwan, uh, Hong Kong. Um, And so one quote I heard from an AIB was, we've made more money on 4090s this year by the end of November than we expected to for the end, like by the end of the year. So we're just done. We've sold all of them. They're gone. (laughs) I mean, what I'm told is that they're making more, but they're not going to get here until, you know, like April or March or something. Um, And that's why I think they're rushing out the super so quickly as well, as they realize that AMD is high in sales that are going well, they won't have any 4090s for a while. So might as well move the stickers down a tier and call it a different card to sell them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, is so we're at Blackwell. We're looking at early 2024, right? So there is. Oh no, no. Super should be beginning of 2024. Blackwell should be, I think, November next year or something. November next year. Between November and February in that time frame, there, depending on how sales are going, if they feel the need to launch early or not. Okay, so those 4090s that come in April are still very much going to have a market for like the re- for the rest of the year to sell to. I don't think it will be like the 3090 Ti. <laughs> oh, okay. I can remember like a month before <laughs> Lovelace and like yeah. dropped in price overnight in half, which is yeah. hilarious. Yeah. yeah, that was that was also a weird card launch. Um, but uh, let me see here. Chris Richards he says, "Hi Tom, earlier in the year you would often talk about NVIDIA's huge stockpile of unsold GPUs. Has the situation changed much at all recently? Uh, well, define recently. My, it's pretty obvious they're not like selling new 3080s anymore. But what I've heard is that these 3050s below 200 and these 3060s below 300 just prepare for years of over-manufactured 3060s that are just going to continue <laughs> to be pushed into the market. Um, so, yeah, I mean, nothing's changed except that there's there's just still a ton of these low-end cards. Um, Got any 2024 New Year's resolutions? Well, my girlfriend's cat does, trying to jump around in as much loose wrapping paper as he can. And my dog, Jesse, well, her New Year's resolution is to watch him do that as much as possible for some reason. But for many of us humans, New Year's resolutions usually involve trying to learn a new skill or improve our health while staying happy. And, well, Vite Ramen can help you do that last one. This piece of content is brought to you by Vite Ramen. Vite Ramen is a healthy, tasty, and shelf-stable food crafted by an American startup that offers tons of options for eating healthy, like their classic packages that make it easy to add protein and other ingredients of your choice, or also their Ramen Go packages that offer a healthy, microwavable option for those who truly only have a 15-minute lunch break, or their new Nano Boost Vitality Powder that I honestly think tastes fantastic and is a great way to get a tasty burst of energy later in the day without cranking yourself up on that third or 
fourth or fifth, really, cup of coffee that you know you shouldn't be drinking if you want to go to bed at a reasonable time. Seriously, their Vitality Powder, it actually does taste very, very good. I've been enjoying it quite a bit. And for all of their products, whether it's kitchenware, uh, powders, or their ramen, of course, click on the link in the description and use the offer code BROKENSILICON to save 10% on all of their fantastic products. They really are a great rapidly growing american startup that's been very good to the moore's laws dead team over the past few years and well due to us actually liking their products and liking them they've been good to us so supporting them supports me and even just clicking on the link in the description makes a big difference as well but i really do like their products and recommend them so check out vite ramen today you know and that actually gets me to another subject though i saw that you reviewed the a380 recently now unfortunately it seems like you reviewed it like the month before the real intel driver update i I actually watched that video of yours where you said it feels like in my feed i'm seeing intel announce a new 1000 percent boost driver every two weeks (laughs) which can't be true because if it went up by that much it'd be stronger than a 4090 by now right but there but when the a580 came out it it did work, I found. Like, I actually tested it, and I was like, and I know this is so pathetic. This is the bar we're at with Arc, but I was like, all my games start, <laughs> you know, and and all of them actually can run at least in 1080p. Like, because, man, there were some games where even in A770, I, I couldn't get to run Battlefield, like, even at 1080p well, um, even if it could boot up. Um, but I, I'm curious, you know, after, so it's unfortunate you didn't test the A380, to my knowledge, uh, until... And after the recent driver update that seemed to be the real one. Okay, but I'm wondering okay. how you feel about Arc, especially in the face of like what I just said. I think there's mm-hmm. going to be $200 6600s for the next two years. And when those sell out, I think the 7600 is going to become $200. Yeah. And the 3050s and 3060s, I don't think NVIDIA has any shortage of shoving those things at bargain prices. Doesn't that almost make it impossible for any of these Arc cards to sell as long as like a 3060 is almost 200 or something? Yeah, I mean, I think so. I, I I looked at the Intel GPUs like way earlier this year because there was a point where I I lived with a, a like a seven eighty, was it the seven eighty seven seventy? I lived with a seven seventy for like a month, and aside from a really like dumb modded game, everything ran quite well on it in terms of like like the driver stuff worked quite well like it um, worked yeah it, it, it worked yeah um but yeah with the like new drops in prices and stuff it, it it has become quite difficult for them to compete in a space where they used to be way cheaper than the competition but so what is like a 770 going for at the moment uh let's see you know i actually haven't checked recently yeah i'm gonna so you can get one for like oh they're they're not available uh where you are yeah there's like no there's one open box of the a750 so in america and on newegg um the a770 there are 16 gigabyte models for as low as 280 which sounds pretty good, but again, it, this every time I swear, every time it's dropped in price. So 280 for an A770, 16 gigabyte from ASRock, right? Or for the same price, I can get a 3060, 12 gigabyte. I I think I know what I would at least recommend to a family member that I don't want to have them call me if something goes wrong. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. 
Yeah, I, I think you have to be you have to be an like an enthusiast and like know how to diagnose a PC and stuff to to get into a GPU like the A770 or any of the Intel stuff. I think that it's not the kind of GPU you recommend to someone. It's the kind of GPU that you as a person choose to get, if that makes sense. Um, I know, but I, I, I can assure you Intel's marketing team doesn't like hearing you say what, <laughs> the way you paint it in a good light. Well, <laughs> Alchemist is the card you don't recommend. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you don't recommend it, but you know, if you like a but challenge... But you buy it, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I, I think that there is... From what I could tell, there seems to be a little bit of a cult following of the Intel GPUs, people who bought them when they were like a cheaper alternative, which now it kind of depends, um, mm-hmm. who were very happy with their GPUs. Like the comment section in that video where I where I lived with one for a while, people, like a lot of people who owned ones seemed very happy with them. So yeah, well, for whatever that's worth. Yeah, yeah I think you have to be careful though, because... I, I don't know if you're how active you were like on Tom's hardware forums or Reddit or something a decade ago, but there were a lot of people that insisted Bulldozer was real good though, and that they were so happy they bought yeah. it still. And they're like, oh, thanks for saying something good about Pile Driver. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Um, I, I guess it depends. I wonder how those people feel about it now. Mm-hmm. It, you know, yeah. I mean, the way I would look. I look at Alchemist and Arc overall is it's like, so it, a year later it works. It does work. Um, I will say that I didn't just test the A770 though. I benchmarked it against like an Arc 6700, uh, which costs about the same, if not sometimes cheaper. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a, an RTX 3050, which is usually cheaper, but should be weaker. And I honestly found like the A770 is only like 20 or 30% stronger. And there were games where it was, it was so weird. It's like in a game, either it's a 6700 XT, a 6600, or it's a 3050. There's no yeah, in between. Yeah. The game just is this or this <laughs> or this. And so it was so weird. Like, for example, Battlefield. Um, uh, I had a whole saga with something go wrong a couple of years ago with a 3090. So I had a 3050 as a backup card. Mm-hmm. And for a while, you know, I played Battlefield 2042 um, in 1440p with DLSS and it ran at about. 1440p medium settings, 100 hertz, which is enough to still definitely have fun playing the game. Mm-hmm. And so when I tested the A770, it went from not really being able to boot up the game to <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm playing in 1440p now. But then I was like, wait, isn't that what I did on a 3050 though? Like, is that really? So I don't know. It's like, I think you have to compare it to the other cards though, because if you don't, all right, they've cleared the threshold of booting up the game but yeah, yeah that's like a, a an, an infinite improvement in performance because it goes from not running to running that's a that's where that 10,000 percent increase yeah. comes from yeah yeah exactly um yeah but i'm wondering how you feel about kind of the future of arc at this point because some people claim some alchemist plus generation was coming out this year well, unless it launches in the next week, it's not coming out. Um, and Meteor Lake's GPU performance kind of seems all over the place, too. And that is Alchemist Plus, but a tile version of it. Like, I, 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 yeah, how are you feeling about them right now? It's been a year of it being out. I mean, didn't they officially give up on it? Aren't they just, like, done with their discrete GPU space? Well, not officially. Um, they killed the graphics division, and then they said it isn't killed. And then they fired Roger Kadori, and 
Ryan Trout left the company, whatever that means. Um, so I don't know. It's not looking good, but they still claim they totally have something coming out. What I hear is maybe like some mid-range thing for a laptop end of 2024. Um, my personal opinion is stop trying to launch a full generation. Launch one card, make it work, and then when you have the money and the good drivers, that's when you do a full stack. That's my opinion. Mm. Um but well, I mean, I think I got your answer. I think you said from your perspective, there isn't yeah, <laughs> really I, Arc anymore. Yeah, yeah. I thought Arc was dead. I was on, <laughs> I was under the impression that like it was they're using it for their iGPUs, and that's kind of the extent of it. Mm-hmm. Um, which effectively, d- that's what I think is going on, basically. Yeah. But I, until we see something else, but even mm-hmm. the A five eighty took a year to come out. That was so mm-hmm. weird. Mm-hmm. It was really weird. Yeah, I mean, that was halfway through this year that it. <laughs> It was. I remember because I was on vacation when it happened. It was in okay. October. It was in October. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, that's so weird. Um. All right. Well, let's switch from graphics though to CPU because I am curious about your thoughts on a couple other developments this year. Which okay. is, you know, it's kind of very open ended. Um. How do you feel about CPU competition going into the end of this year? And apparently, the seventy eight hundred X three D. And Zen 3 are still just the only thing people are buying comparatively. I mean, it makes sense. Like the 14th gen was just 13th gen, but again, and 13th gen was just 12th gen, but again. So I don't know. It, <laughs> it like it, it makes complete sense. People are buying uh, these these AMD GPUs because they're just so epic. Like they they're they're real fast. So I have not actually used the 7800X3D yet. It was a 7950X3D. And it was Mm. that where it was like... I I was one of the people that was like annoyed about the 7800X3D coming out because it's like the better gaming chip for way less money than the Mm -hmm. 7950X3D like after it's been purchased. Um, But yeah, I, I, I think that those CPUs are really awesome. I... I have a question though. Has the seven of the fifty six hundred X three D is that available now from places that isn't Micro Center or is it still? You mean this? <laughs> is that from Micro Center? Yeah. <laughs> like where did you? <laughs> yeah, no. This was uh, I'm uh, I helped uh, Steve at Hardware Unboxed get a fifty six hundred X three D since he's in Australia oh, okay. and had one. He got one for me as well that I still need to test, but I have no time to do anything ever. Because okay. there's too many things to do. I can't really see it, but yeah. But you know, I have one. Now, I think their solution to it is just going to be... So I, my understanding is this CPU, the 5600X3D, is going to remain um, Micro Center exclusive. But they're going to launch a 5500X3D that is okay. this in all but name, so they can sell a cheaper version everywhere else. I don't remember when that's supposed to come out. Probably in the next couple of months. Th- that'll be cool, because I, I think that AM4... You know, it's it's had pretty good death throws. You know, like the the fifty eight hundred X three D has also been. Yeah, I I think giving like more affordable options for that platform makes a lot of sense because people who don't want to upgrade to AM five would do so because of budget constraints. So something like a fifty five hundred X three D would mm-hmm. I think sell gangbusters. I think they'd sell huge amounts of that. Gangbusters. That's a word I say all the time. Oh, do you say that make all fun the time? of me for saying, yeah. Oh, I, I heard a streamer I watched recently said it and I, I don't know, it just popped up. Do, do you know where that streamer lives? 
Uh, I think it's a Midwestern, Northern United States thing to say it a lot. Obviously, okay. it's a term that everyone seems to understand, but I've noticed in the Midwest, which is where I'm from, people say it a lot. It wouldn't surprise me if they say it a lot in Canada, too, though, because yeah. they kind of blend into each other, if we're being honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, don't know where, I don't know where the person's from. I can't even remember who the person is that I'm thinking of. I just remember hearing it recently. I mean, maybe it was you. Maybe I heard you say gangbusters, and now I'm just like parroting If you listen to anything I've said... <laughs> Any video, I probably said it at least once per yeah, two-hour podcast. So yeah, no, no, no. Then it's then 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 that's then, then you're the streamer I'm thinking of. <laughs> um, but what was I gonna say? Yeah, it's funny when Alder Lake came out, which I really really liked Alder Lake, um, but I mostly liked mm. it for enthusiasts. Mm. Uh, I saw people go, "Well, what is?" And same thing with Zen Four. Actually, people said whether it was during Alder Lake's. I'm sorry, I should say during Raptor Lake. Actually, I confused them. Like when Raptor Lake was launching against Zen Four. People said, well, what is AMD going to do about DDR4 support? And I was like, they have it. It's right here. You go yeah. get Zen 3 if you want DDR4 support. <laughs> and the motherboard's cheaper, too. But um, it, it, it is interesting to see like how many people said that was such a big deal. But at the end of the day, I, just, I don't think AMD cares if most of their sales are Zen 3. That's a good mm. problem to have. Mm. No, for sure. And I, I think that... That, that platform does what it needs to do. So like them going on to the next kind of like space with the AM5 makes a lot of sense considering how long they want the sockets to survive as well. You mm -hmm. know, it's not like Zen 5 is going to be a gen or AM5, sorry, is going to be like one or two generations and then it disappears. So yeah, no, I agree with you. Is that... I'm curious, what would you recommend people buy right now if they were just doing a, a standard $1,000 gaming PC? Like, what what would be the CPU and platform? I, I just off the straight of, like, off the top of my head, wouldn't have a recommendation. I'd have to go Google it and research a bit first. So I, mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I haven't looked at it, like, recently, because there's been, there was a while where there was, like, RX 6600 and, like, 12400 combination was a very good price to performance combo mm -hmm. that was like earlier in this year and that stayed the case for a while and then i kind of lost interest and then haven't looked at it since so that's my <laughs> that's my answer you know um i guess i have a question i want to throw at you um how would you feel about zen 5 let's say they still stay a little aggressive on pricing let's say they do like 600 dollars or 700 let's be honest for 16 cores you know, and assume Zen 5 is like 20 to 30% better than now overall. You know, um, I think that's about what we're going to look like. So a standard generational uplift, but it's like, you know, I don't know, 650 for uh, 16 cores, 500 for 12 cores, 400, or maybe, yeah, 400 for X3D8 cores, 330 for 8 cores, 250 for 6 cores, like your standard lineup here. Mm -hmm. Would that sound great to you? Or do you have any problem with them not increasing core counts? Because it doesn't, they could, I'm told, but it sounds like they don't want to use the expensive 16 core chiplets um, unless they have to and they don't feel like they have to, at least at first. So do you mm -hmm. think it's a big deal they're stopping at 16 cores still, most likely? I mean, I, I don't like for my personal usage, I, I don't think so. I don't know how mm -hmm. much demand there is for for core count above that because it's that kind of thing where it, it's not the kind of thing like with eight gigs of video memory going mm -hmm. up in, in the higher end that is like a huge problem. So yeah, I don't know. Like I, I think that at this point, they don't have to push that hard because 
Intel isn't pushing that hard. So, and it's interesting. You said twelve four hundred F, right? So that's the i five yeah. without e cores. You don't even want the i five with e cores. It sounds like. Well, that was just there was like there was a period where because of how the pricing structure was along kind of all of the CPUs that were out, that was just like a good one that was available because I think it was after thirteenth gen came out, twelfth. The 12400F was like really cheap. You could get it for like not very much. Um, but yeah, I mean, for gaming, because I, I see with like the new stuff, they keep adding efficiency mm-hmm. cores to to like Intel. Yeah, and I was just pulling up uh, best CPU sellers on Amazon, at least in the United States right now. Mm-hmm. And it's just right so now. funny. Um, I, I'm wondering like... I had James Pryor on. He's someone who used to be a product manager at AMD. And he's one of the people that helped segment and market Threadripper. Like he's he's part of the people that said, let's call it Threadripper, you know? Okay. And I asked him what he thought about some people in the community being annoyed that eight cores aren't cheaper on AMD yet. They're getting there. But like, I think there will be a lot of people, at least in the comments section, that okay. will be mad if AMD announces the, I don't know, right, 8700X, and it's not 250, but it's 350. Like, why wouldn't you call it the 8600? Why are we still doing six cores? Mm-hmm. Why, you know, why can't you give us eight cores below 300? And I said, do you think AMD should increase core counts? And he said, wouldn't it just be better to launch an 8600X3D for 300 or something? And I was like, oh. <laughs> and I'm curious what your thoughts were. Would you rather have an eight core Zen 5 for 300? Or a six core with Vcash for three hundred. I I'd probably I mean okay so it depends on the use case but for gaming yes. I'd I'd go the six core kind of X three D thing because mm-hmm. that makes such a big difference to to kind of like CPU performance in gaming. And um, I don't know how Intel would compete with that at yeah. the three hundred dollar price point. Certainly not in gaming, you know. Mm, yeah, because I I, I think that. I mean, how, how much is eight cores like being used in games? Like, is that is there a massive demand for that? I mean, it is, um, but I'm sure the cash would help more in the short term. You know, yeah. And it's like half of the games want eight cores, I, and then of those half that want eight cores, I'd say a fourth of them benefit a little bit by having more than eight, and then I'd say just half a game straight up don't really need more than twelve threads. You know. Uh, okay. Okay. And then, but the but the the X three D like that cash makes a big difference, like everywhere. Like it's a, it's mm-hmm. it's a big deal. Yeah, I think he's clearly smart. <laughs> he, cl- he clearly. <laughs> I know. I wish AMD about. would re. I wish AMD <laughs> would rehire him. Um, but here's another interesting thing that I've noticed recently too. Um, when I look at the best sellers in CPU right now on Amazon, at least as of when we are recording, mm. number one is the 7800X3D. Then it's three Zen three chips, and then there's one i7. Then the 5800X3D, 5600. Yeah. An i7 and i5, and then it's just Zen 3 and an, another i5. So AMD's clearly outselling Intel here, mm-hmm. um, at least in the do-it-yourself market, by quite a lot. Mm-hmm. But what's also interesting to note here is the top-selling Intel chips that I'm seeing here are the i7-12700KF, the i7-13700K, and the i5-12600K. Two of the top-selling Intel chips uh, only have four e cores, and then there's this 12600KF too. So, mm-hmm. three out of the top four selling Intel products have only four e cores. Like, and it makes <laughs> you start to question, like, 
So wait, no one's paying any premium for these e-cores. They're only buying it based on the amount of P-cores when the top selling Intel chips are the minimum e-core models. Mm. You know, and I think I just I'm wondering how you think about how like the e-core thing is playing out right now, because at least in the do-it-yourself space, it seems very clear that people they'll take the extra e-cores if they if you'll give it to them for free. Mm. But that's basically that's basically it. They want the extra e-cores <laughs> for free. And they're basing their assumptions on or they're basing their decisions on P core to P core. And then that's basically it. Yeah. I mean, is the the wasn't the whole like e-core gambit for mainly targeted towards laptops anyway? Or is it not is that not how Intel thinks about it? Because so- that's what most people would argue, including Intel occasionally. Okay. Is is that the reason you have these E cores is for like efficiency and such. But when I look at the power consumption of Intel chips, I'm not seeing this efficiency yeah. <laughs> that they're saying these yeah. E cores should be giving them. And I think it's worth pointing out the E core efficiency, like for responsiveness in Windows, which Windows is a very heavy operating system. This is not a low level one. Mm-hmm. Um, if you were to send the first task to the e-core, it would be sluggish because it's slower. So they always send, like if you're browsing the web, you're at like 10% CPU usage. It's sending the task to the p-cores before the e-cores. Mm-hmm. Right, so how is it saving energy? It's sending them to the p-cores <laughs> first. Right, the whole idea of e-cores on phones is use the p-cores only when you need to. Mm. That's the opposite of what they're doing. So I would make the argument that the e-cores are there to win Cinebench. I don't know. like, <laughs> I mean, because they, they give you more multi-threading performance for the amount of die space you have. You can fit four e-cores in the same space of one p-core. Mm. So, and four e-cores versus one p-core, I think, performs like, you know, like 30% better in multi-threading or 50%. Mm. So to me, it's like just allowing you to have more multi-threading when you need it. It doesn't really seem to be an efficiency thing. Yeah, so I, I guess the main reason they have it is so that the core number at the end of the CPU is higher, and then they hope that tricks someone into buying it because they think it's better. Like, maybe maybe that's the the real thinking behind uh, behind the whole e core thing. Because then you can say it's like a forty core CPU or whatever, because most mm-hmm. of them are like those little baby loser cores. Well, um, it's funny though because they're as strong as Skylake, so they're not like. Mm garbage cores mm, but at the mm. same time as long as you have at least six cores with hyper threading what task is using more than that usually mm. you know and, mm. and i think that's what it comes down to is i think a lot of people are fun and it's so funny because it almost sounds like an intel argument from yesteryear but like the real world usage benchmarks <laughs> like the e-cores yeah. seem very very bad at that mm. um well, let me do just a general Intel question here. Chris Risk writes in and he says, how would you summarize Intel's year? To me, it feels like it was one of their worst ever. Financially, they've done badly and had to lay off many engineers and their new products have been poor. So what I'm feeling for Intel right now is mostly pity mitigated by it being largely self-inflicted. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty harsh. Let's hope that 2024 <laughs> is better for them as it's not fun like this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm just curious like how you feel. Like You already kind of said... Raptor Lake was Alder Lake again, and Raptor Lake Refresh was Raptor Lake again. Meteor Lake, I mean, it's an improvement, but it doesn't really seem to leapfrog AMD's stuff they launched eight months ago. How are you feeling? And by the way, from what I'm hearing, Arrow Lake comes out like December next year. So Zen 5's launching in like... Honestly, I wonder if they'll push back Zen 5 because they don't need to launch it, but... Zen 5 should launch in the first half of next year, let's say. And then Arrow Lake might not be out for at least half a year. Like... 
How are you feeling about Intel right now? I mean, is Arrow Lake also going to just be 12th gen, but again, or is it? Do no, have- <laughs> this one is a real new one. <laughs> this is a real new one. Okay. okay. I think it's going to be minimum 30% faster, okay. but Zen 5 is also, it's not going to be, it's going to be better too, though. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, right? Like it's part of me thinks it's really funny that a- that Intel is <laughs> is getting shafted in the way that they are because you know there was they they really did stunt uh, like CPU development for a long time because of mm-hmm. how they handled their monopoly. But the thing is, like, if AMD becomes the new monopoly, that's gonna it. You know, it there needs to be good competition. So on the one hand, it's funny, but on the other hand, I I, I also kind of feel bad for them because. Yeah, like there needs to be a competitive market for the products to like keep going forward, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But so I'd say the one saving grace is at least Apple's making their own chips now. At least Qualcomm's about to launch a laptop chip. And at That's least yeah. NVIDIA probably will, I would guess, within five years. Like, so. Do a CPU? Are they planning on. I've always heard they're planning on it, and there's more smoke coming to this fire recently. Now, what does that mean? No, I don't think next year you're going to go buy an NVIDIA. What would they call it? RTX 9? I don't know what they would call it. But um, yeah, I don't know what they would call it. Who knows? But I mean, I, I think I think they'll probably start dabbling in this soon. I don't think it's like we're going to be doing benchmarks of a you know, 32-core Zen 6 against them probably, though, in a couple of years. I think it's going to take some time. Could be wrong. And I'd also guess it'd probably first be like laptop chips for Surface, if mm. I had to guess. Um but yeah, I think they might eventually. I think that's the one thing, though, stopping AMD from going completely stupid. Well, number one, they almost went out of business. So they're probably just so scared of <laughs> yeah. doing that again. Like they've tasted, they, they've felt like the, the weapon up against their back. They know what it's like to be saved at the last minute. Yeah. And so that's probably going to keep them working pretty hard. And maybe that's what Intel needs is to feel that. So they just, you know, never do the like fall get apart again. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, they do have to worry about Apple and mm, yeah, and maybe Nvidia and uh, Qualcomm, you know, coming at some of their market share too. So I think that would always stop them from being as. I don't think they're going to do you know five percent performance increases for ten years straight because they just can't because <laughs> of other competitors. Yeah, and I mean, you you don't want Nvidia coming for your market share because they have all the no. money in the world now. So like, I <laughs> you're you're just you can't win. Like it's there. Yeah, yo, they lucked out so hard with the whole AI thing. Like, it really, it's it's like, oh, so the mining boom's over. Now here is just all the money for the next thing. Like, it, it really, yeah, damn. Yeah, we're gonna have to see on that one, like how how sustainable that mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, of course, Nvidia is gonna say it's gonna be a ten bazillion trillion dollar market <laughs> that you know goes to the moon. Of course, they're gonna say that, but we're gonna have yeah. to see if like every like. You know, uh, every McDonald's needs 100 H100s for doing blockchain AI or whatever, you know, yeah. because I can't help but think that a lot of these companies buying up H100s don't need them. But mm. it, it's too soon to say. But yeah, when they timed it, I mean, my God, you know, I've seen people as I saw Pat Gelsinger recently say that NVIDIA got lucky. And I'm like, man, if they're lucky, they've been lucky four times in a row. I think there's <laughs> yeah. got to be some of this that's not luck over there. No, no, for sure. It was just like the timing compared to like, is it, it, it feels like they go from boom to boom to boom. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like it's, it's, it, it's crazy. They, 
They're an interesting company because they're also one of those like stock buyback of the companies, you know, where they mm-hmm. like they announce like billions upon billions of dollars of stock buyback. So they are pumping their own stock really hard as well. So there is like it seems quite bubbly. I don't know. Like it, it does, in, right? In, in, yeah, because like stock buybacks aren't. Yeah, I, I know that that's quite a controversial topic potentially, but that's that's quite a like not sustainable thing to do if you're sacrificing on you know like r&d budgets and stuff to do Mm. it um which it's interesting like if you look at the consumer space it does look like you know every time they go okay we're not going to put a a 192 bit bus on this thing we're going to put a 128 bit bus the money we save on that stock buyback (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. like is that what they're doing because if that's what they're doing then it's not sustainable and that's like a bad thing Mm-hmm. Um, but well, I, that's the thing I, I wonder too, is like how much of like what we're seeing right now is with like AMD seems to sell well, mm-hmm. you know, when they can get a decent product out that's priced competitively against the competition, but it's just breaking into like OEMs. Like mm-hmm. I half of this graphics card market share that nvidia has has to just be because laptops refuse to use amd and if amd could break into that and actually sell them in volume at a decent like level like i think that makes such a huge difference i mean like what was it there was like the asus rog laptops but even those usually have a 3060 or 4060 right they usually Mm -hmm. don't have even amd apu but then nvidia gpu um Mm -hmm. i feel like people regard nvidia better but if they were given the option, they tend to buy AMD. They just don't have the option half the time. Yeah, and the thing is, I think that regarding NVIDIA better thing is, like, they, they've they've really not been very nice for a while. Like, I, I think that, I don't know how long that goodwill is going to last, you mm-hmm. know, be, or if there is goodwill towards NVIDIA anymore from the consumer side, because it's been, I feel like every generation of GPU has been a drama since the 20 series like it's it's been it it just keeps happening like i don't know they they yeah 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 i mean like you got the rtx 20 series drama where people were just like oh my god an 80 a, an 80 class card for 800 dollars that's unbelievable and then yeah. jensen said well hold my beer yeah, <laughs> get, ready, yeah. get, ready, get ready for the next one yeah. um just and then they, they like fake prices for ampere at launch and then they had well, not fake. They're real, but they are very high for Lovelace. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see if they're burning all their all their goodwill, like because I think they are burning some. I just yeah. think it hasn't materialized, and it's up to AMD to actually exploit it and not just try to make the same thing and then remove ten percent of the cost. Yeah, no, no, no. That's true. That's true. Wow, my voice really broke there. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> It happens to the best of us. Um, <laughs> Little Germany writes in and he says, Hi, Tom. Do you think there is symmetry in ultra-simplified Radeon product stacks in great AMD software? Looking at other markets where software is becoming more important to product performance, like cars even, wh- there is a trend towards much simpler hardware portfolios. So, like, not all of these messy names and, like, just have good software and four products and just 80, 70, 60, 50, boom, you're done. Um yeah, I think that is a thing, but I don't think a company can get away with doing that unless they're like ultra confident and in a dominant position. Because when you see these messy things like a 4060 Ti 16 gigabyte 
or the 3070 Ti launch and then 38 to a gigabyte launch and then all these weird models launch. It's because they're trying to fill a gap against the competition or exploit a situation. And the example that this never happened in actually is uh, Pascal. Mm-hmm. Like Pascal was just 80, 70, 60, and then te- 50, 50 Ti. And then they launched a 70 Ti, 80 Ti. There's a Titan, that's it. There was none of this like, well, here's the bizarro version mm-hmm. of our, I guess there was the 1063 gigabyte, but that was kind of just getting rid of bad yields. I don't think NVIDIA can do that unless they feel like they're not really challenged. And I actually, in my last video, argued they should do that with Blackwell. Like, just be a little less. I didn't, you know, you can be, you can buy more leather jackets, man. <laughs> a little less greedy. Come out, price the cards logically with Blackwell, go home. And I think they could get away with it. But I don't think companies can get away with doing that often because they usually have to respond to the competition. Yeah, but I... I, I don't know how much consumers like that. Like, I, I think that... Because the thing is, it 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 is quite... Uh, like, it, like, a relatively recent thing, and it keeps getting worse, because I don't think that... You know, you were, you were talking about Pascal, but I think the generations before that as well, like, it wasn't... It wasn't that we were getting TI supercards, you know? It, it really... Um, well, I don't know if you remember the boosts during Kepler. There was the 650, the 650 Ti, the 650 Ti boost. Oh, yeah, that's true. Which was, boost was basically super. Um, and I don't know if you remember Fermi, but that was when AMD actually had almost the same market share as NVIDIA. And I'm trying to remember all of them because there are so many. But there is the 560 okay. SE, the 560, the 560 Ti, and the 560 Ti 448 edition. Okay. Um <laughs> So it, it's been worse, you know, it's been worse, but Fermi okay, is probably the worst example, but you know, and God, what did AMD have around that time? Like a little later, I'm trying to think, what is it? The 200 series where they have the 290X, 290, 285, 280X, 280, 270. I think there was a 270. I mean, they, there's, there's been bizarre product stacks. I, I think it's always just them launching, you know, rushing something out the door to compete i agree i don't think consumers like it that's why i think if you can get away with it dude 80 70 60 50 ti ti leave yeah i, I actually forgot about that because even with the the, the 7970 there was also like 800 versions of that card because there's like a gigahertz and like a gigahertz plus and then a minus and there was the gigahertz toxic from sapphire the 7950 i believe there was a 7 8 90, a 7870X gigahertz, a 7850, 7790, 7770, 7750. I have a bizarre brain for remembering these things. It's the one thing I can do well that only is useful for this youtube channel (laughs) well i mean it's great that it's worked out for you then because you can utilize it so effectively now like that's yeah like it's i could just google it too i'm not sure how you like what else (laughs) could i be putting in my brain that isn't remembering the 7790 which by the way was gcn 1.1 the same architecture as the 290x like why do i remember that (laughs) i I think you should you should join pub quizzes that like you should like write a really hectic pub quiz and then (laughs) invite everyone everyone to a quiz it's only a quiz on amd intel and nvidia product naming (laughs) you're all screwed (laughs) um but uh, let me see here. QH Freddy writes and he says, how much would you bet Navi 43 is 192-bit? So when he says 43, he means the top RDNA 4 <laughs> mid-range card. Uh, what about 256-bit? 
or 128-bit, how much would you bet there's another die on top of it in the lineup? Well, no, I think it's 256-bit. I think that at least one thing we can see with AMD is their mid-range card is almost always 256-bit. Um, I'd say RDNA 2 is the exception to the rule, right? That They usually have a 256-bit card that they sell in the middle of the stack. Um, and I think... Moving forward, I do think we can just pretty much bet NVIDIA's is going to be 192, but our 128 bit mm. too. Yeah, the smallest number they can fit in there, they'll they'll get it going. Yeah, well, you know, that's the one argument someone at NVIDIA made to me that I thought made a lot of sense for that is they're like, well, if we make the 106 die, which is using the 4060 Ti, 128 bit, that means we can fit it in the same motherboards that before could only fit the uh, what would that have been? the 3050 so that was their idea like we can make the bus this small only require this many memory chips that means we can put 4070s and old 30 3050 laptops you know that means we can put 4090s 4090s really 4080 and old 38 uh an old not even 38 well i guess they called it the 3080 but you know 104 3070 desktop laptop if that makes sense yeah yeah okay so it's like a laptop like pcie lane issue or it's like, like they, they want to be able to fit a they are going to call it high-end card with only this many memory chips so it takes up less space on the laptop motherboard like there, there's something to that you know having said that though again i think adding another 32 bits to the bus like going from 128 to 160 so you have 10 gigabytes i think that has like 10 millimeters squared so like whatever then give us 10 gigabytes on desktop and don't yeah. on laptop i don't know that, that that's my perspective on that though yeah yeah that's interesting. Um, let me see. I think we've gotten through most of the topics we wanted to get to, um, but we did have some fun questions that I skipped. Yeah, so XTX999 writes in, what was your favorite product launch this year? Um, so we actually discussed the 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 thing. I think it's the the 5700, or 5600 X3. Like the, the kind of like, souped up version of that very popular cpu i really like so this right here this is your yes. favorite this is your favorite launch of the year yeah even though i i haven't gotten one because i don't live near a micro center <laughs> but i just i i really hope the 5500 x3d comes out that would be cool you're in vancouver right yeah yeah you apparently don't live like within a thousand miles of one mm. it's quite like, far yeah but it's funny because if you go to like around atlanta chicago the northeast of the united states there's a few in most areas. Apparently in the Northeast, no. <laughs> they oh, just okay. hate Portland, Seattle. Of course, they're probably not in Canada. I don't know if they are. But yeah. but it's just funny. to When I say a thousand miles, I mean like, no, you're literally a thousand miles <laughs> away. Yeah. Um, Clean Sweep writes and he says, hey, David, what's the most entertaining wonky tech product you've touched or looked at in 2023? Um, maybe it's because my memory is pretty short, but there was a recent, like I bought the cheapest, uh, like racing sim setup from Amazon and that oh. thing was a huge piece of crap. Like the, <laughs> it was, it was wildly I think I saw that thumbnail. <laughs> it was wildly terrible. Like it, the, the mounting method for like now racing sim stuff is quite physical. You really have to like, do you know how much it costs to get it? So the, the. The the wheel with the base and I got like a stand for it as well was 157 US dollars. So that's including the the like 
it, it's that's like real. It was the, it was the wheel and the seat and all of it for so, just that much. No, not the seat, but the you. So for like racing some stuff, you can buy like a. Uh, they call it like a cockpit, but it's just, it's basically just like a couple metal tubes that like are supposed to hold it in place. And that was all, that was somehow worse than the actual wheel because it couldn't hold its own. Was it mocha pit? Uh, mocha pit? I'm trying to find one. Cause I found one here for $130. I just want to get a, a picture in my head of what this looked like, but I'm sorry. I don't want to derail your train of thought. So I, I bought it off Amazon Canada. Let me see, uh, racing um, oh wait, I can I can check my I'm not gonna leak my my stuff here. I can I can look at like old orders and I can give you the name of it. Um, but it was so, so the racing sim base used like suction cups to attach to the table, which means it didn't attach to the table. It would just keep coming off. So I ended up having to duct tape it to the stand. But then the stand couldn't hold its own weight up, so I had to duct tape the stand to a desk for it. To, so there was just so much duct tape went into to that setup working. Um, so the steering wheel stand is called the Vivor Gaming Steering Wheel stand so that yeah I, I bought it on amazon canada i don't know if it's if it's available oh i found US. it oh you did yeah 74 dollars yeah it was it was wildly <laughs> terrible the Thrustmaster. yeah i i can't, it, <laughs> i don't it, like that name i feel yeah. like don't google that <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah um so I, i'd say that was probably the you know the worst piece of tech and the funniest in how bad it was because it didn't even almost do what it pretended it was able to do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> I guess you... Have you played with those much before in the past or is this just like, hey, if it's this cheap, I'll see if it's fun? And the answer was no. Yeah. So it was my... Because uh, I went to Computex this year and like at Computex, they had these crazy looking sim racing setup so i was like i i i really want to give this a try but i'm going to do it in a me way which is by the crappiest version of it and it was so terrible but i then did a follow-up video where i bought uh like a bunch of used stuff and like actual functioning sim racing stuff and it's like the most fun i've had on a pc in a while like it's it's I, i really enjoyed it a lot um, so I'm going to do another video following up on like higher end stuff. Cause there's a whole, it's a deep rabbit hole that you can go down, uh, the sim racing stuff and it's really fun. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't know. That is the entire script, I believe of stuff we had to talk about here. I don't know if you have anything else you wanted to discuss, whether it's something that happened this year or something you're excited about next year. Uh, I, I think we've kind of discussed all of it. Like it's, it's, this was a, this was a very thorough, like look at the, you know, last year and what's coming up. So yeah, no, I think, I think it's about covered. All right. Well, I want to, of course, thank you for coming on the podcast yet again for an end of year episode. Um, please plug your channel or anything else you want to. I, I think the the me chatting about the <laughs> the terrible racing stand is kind of kind of is the is is the the most realistic way in which I can plug the channel. Like it's just dumb crap basically that are that's techie that I then see how terrible it is is mm-hmm. is kind of the content I enjoy making the most. But sometimes um, you're pleasantly surprised. It's not always terrible stuff, but a lot of it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'm ple- presently surprised. Wow, none of that came out well. I'm pleasantly surprised a lot. Like it's yeah 
Um, all right. Well, that's David does tech stuff, of course, uh, is where you can find him. And then, of course, thank you for watching, listening to this. Um, this episode should come out right after Christmas. Of course, if you're a patron, it's already come out. Remember, if you support us there, you can get a die shrink this week as well. And then early access to the next one, the ability to ask us questions. And no matter what, though, you know, please support us on Patreon to get access to that. If you made it this far, thank you for watching, everybody. You know, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Have a good holiday season. Yeah. Bye-bye. This podcast was brought to you by the YouTube channel and website Moore's Law is Dead. Moore's Law is Dead and Broken Silicon are trademarks of their creator, Tom. That guy is me, and I am indeed the creator, editor, writer, and showrunner of Moore's Law is Dead podcast, videos, articles, and other media. However, it's not just me. Moore's Law is Dead is a team with Broken Silicon co-hosted by my brother Dan, audio editing by Gerard Cortez, renders being done by the industrial designer Jean-Philippe Clermont, and special assistance is also provided by Carmen Cry and Kerry Nosugad as well. Find all of our information at www.moreslawisdead.com on the about slash support page in the event you do want to hire me for consulting work, hire Gerard for audio work, hire Jean-Philippe for industrial design work, or you're interested in working with Carbon Cry or Kerry No Sugata as well. You can also find our long-term sponsors on that page if you want to show them some love for putting food on our tables. Or you can also mail us some love. You can send letters or hardware donations to the following address. Moore's Law is Dead, P.O. Box 60632 in Nashville, Tennessee, zip code 37206. Although, to be honest, the best way to show Moore's Law's Dead some love is to support us on Patreon. Patrons are what makes Moore's Law's Dead content truly possible. Every month, and really every day, depending on who you're talking about, me, Gerard, Dan, and John philippe are working tirelessly to provide a steady stream of content that we could not keep doing unless we knew the work was possible without being reliant on sponsors dictating every little thing we put out. Don't get us wrong. We love our sponsors, but we love directly working for you, our fans, much more. If you have any extra money, even a couple free dollars a month, consider supporting us directly on Patreon. Those couple of monthly dollars will get you access to the exclusive podcast Die Shrink, voting on subjects of future podcast episodes, the ability to ask guests questions, and of course, access to the Moore's Laws Dead Discord full of like-minded people who I am sure would love to meet you. I am one of them. Additionally, higher tiers get access to early, ad-free episodes of Broken Silicon, the ability to ask questions in all Broken Silicon episodes and loose ends live streams ahead of the recording, and the entire back catalog of Moore's Law Z podcasts, in addition to having thanks in the credits of videos and podcasts depending on the tier with other perks available as well. And hey... If you cannot afford to support us directly every month, please do share Moore's Law is Dead videos and podcasts with friends and family and on social media and websites like Reddit. And give Broken Silicon a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or your preferred podcast app of choice. All of this does really help us so much. But like I said, this podcast would not be possible without it. the patrons directly providing predictable and reliable support every month. And so now it is time to give a personal thanks to the greatest of the fans. The following supporters are at the 10 gigahertz or higher supported levels. 
Brad Medlin, Drita Foles, Z Jits, Daniel D, Ian Clifford, Aaron Close, Jen Rauner, Daniel High, GZ Ziggy, Brian Regelman, MJB1, Sam Miller, Deke, SNES Chalmers, Nicholas Buckner, Jerem Ferriera, Valcom Aleb, Jensen Wang, Andrew S, Gregory S. Ecker, Sarcastro, Evan Dingle, Hard Forum.com, Chris Rich, Greg Wantick, 3DS Boy 08, Hal Buma, Compressed Earth Blocks, Shredbird, Dr. Foreman, Benjamin Cannon, Jonathan Blake, Franco Frederick, Holden Mobley, Jake Dude 23, Jake Martin, Simi Wallace, Slicky, Jordan Simkovic, Stefan Hart, Julian Leaked, Meat and Pork, The Boss Haas, Tim Robb, Penta Winta, Travis Gooding, Stefan, Mad, Zutsu Taylor, Stefan Coates, Roger Davies, Michael Medee, McGee, Greg, Patrick Groh, Amiable Chief, Tommy, Mark Mitchell, I should, Mark Raidmaker, James Anderson, Cole Attic, Judson End, Chrysantine, Colin Tadars, The Eternal Dreamers, Cameron, Wesley Sager, Henry Zhang, Neithra Zing, Michelle Pell, D31337 Antics, Hexa Puma, Toka, Reginald Ari, Tika Autumn, Jackson Miller, JSMMH, Gaiman Since Reagan, Jeff Settler, Loophole 35, Windstar, James I, Raider, Corey Leonard, Little Germany, Shea, Milton, Pulse Media, Dave Schultz, Dave uh, Mel Melodic Warrior, Mac Daffy, Steven Dix, Chuck Glidden, Brett Jones, Austin Haggerty, Justin Bustle, I-711-700K, Jamie Witters, Joe Foot, Hardland, Slushboss C2, My Sharona, Earth Taurus, Jensen Angima, Joseph Kelly, Samuel Park, Keith Moore, Hemsa Gung, Tails2299, Mio Vale Vega, John, Vinti CZ, Sisyphos, The Forbidden Juice, Per Leakman, RB Racer, AZ, Richard Cowgill, Win Wang, Michael Cozy, Dr. J Matt, Alex Vega, Freedy, Brian Wright, John Swin, Jola Martina, Kikum, Elbergun, Solarize 80, Thalo215, Matthew Marlowe, Raisin Biscuit, Rennick1982, Jeff Johnson, Round McKicky, Cornster671, and of course, thank you to Sahara for the music. And Jesse, come on, stop looking down. And thank you to everybody who watched this year. Seriously, have a Merry Christmas. Have a Happy Hanukkah. Any other holiday you celebrate, Happy Holidays. And have a great New Year, everybody. And here's to seeing you all in the next year. <laughs>